become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. Greetings and salutations everyone, I am the TRS-80 and it's time for Entertainment Landfill News. Enjoy the show. I'll collect ticket stubs during the performance and e-stowaways will be thrown overboard. Jay Strom, welcome to Entertainment Landfill News. With me is Stephen the Pop Cultures LA. Hello, what's happening? I thought about doing with me is, and then I get quiet and let you introduce yourself. Oh. But you know, might as well Stephen the Pop Cultures LA. Hello, Stephen. Hello. How are we doing this week? Fantastic. Are you ready to talk about film, television, and pop culture news? My name wouldn't be PCG Stephen if I wasn't. <laughs> Have you been working in Chicago for like a year now? It seems like you're there every week, right? No. What? You weren't there this week? No. Where were you? I've been in Wyoming for what? a couple of weeks. Get out of here. Yeah, for like five weeks. Wow. So what? Do you, what how's that? It's boring and... Is it... Like, look it's like... It's cold. I watched this show on, on Netflix called Longmire. Sheriff Walt Longmire. He's mm-hmm. like... He's in Wyoming, I think, or Montana. No, he's in Wyoming, I think. Uh, it looks like it's like, you know, there's near Indian reservation mm-hmm. and stuff. Is that the way it looks? Like, really, when you're there? Is it beautiful? It's just mountainous. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. Um I drive. We fly into Montana and then drive down to Sheridan, where I'm working. Is it uh, like a place where, like, I'm going to retire here one day? (laughs) Why? No, no. It's just it's too small a town, too far away from everything, and yeah, you you can get snowed into the whole town. Ah, what? What if you had like okay. You had like the ultimate mansion there with everything you needed. Would no. you? Do you care about the outdoors like that, or like, do you no. see mountains in the distance and mm-hmm. stuff? 
Yeah. I mean, is it just like, yeah, that's pretty, but I don't want to live here. I'm out of here or something right. like yeah. Okay. So it's just like you're not like swept up in it. If you want to, if I wanted to do that, it'd be more like maybe Colorado where you could go to a major city, Denver. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Colorado's you know. supposed to be beautiful. Pot's legal. I'm, I'm not sure no, if you no, partake. That's, uh, that's not if, my gig. <laughs> I'm not sure if you care about something like that. But there's not really a, you know, I you say I, there's not really a major city for. really shitty oh yeah yeah i mean if you want entertainment you're kind of out there in the middle of nowhere so light it and try to smoke it excuse me so yeah there's no xd theater (laughs) wow that would suck right um you know, I remember last week at the end of the show, I asked Ken Preventure if he wanted to be on the show. He said he did, so I'm going to call him right now, and he's going to join us, Stephen. What do you Fantastic. think about that? Fantastic. Awesome. Everyone, get ready. I'm calling Ken Preventure. Let's see where he is. Let's see where Ken Preventure is. Uh, where in the oh. world is Ken Preventure? Hello? Let's see Hello, Ken. Ken. Uh, Wait. Where in the world is Ken Preventure? <laughs> uh oh, we got one of those kind of. I've got double, double, double volume here. Hang on, hang on. Uh oh, we got one of those kind of. I've got double. Whoa. How's this? There you go. Echo! <laughs> <laughs> no, you sound good now. No, there's, there's two of us actually. Oh, there's two Kens. There's me and Positively Ken in ah. the chat room. That's right. There's Ken from Canada. He's there with you, I guess. Where in Canada is positively Ken? I'd like to know. Oh, uh, I don't want to answer and be wrong, so I'm going to say I I don't remember. All right. Positively he, Ken, where are you at? He will tell us hopefully soon, but uh, Ken, thank you so hey. much for joining us for Entertainment Landfill News. Yeah, sorry I'm a little late. What are you what are you guys talking about? We, we, we just started. We just started. Okay. He was asking me about my fantastic week at work. Yeah, Stephen's been in Wyoming. He thought I was in Chicago still. <laughs> yeah. I've been stuck in the podunk little town in Wyoming. Stephen and I don't stay in touch, so, you know. I don't know why oh. he, he doesn't listen to me. I'm so, so wait, so you guys, you, you, you both sit in the same room, right? Mm-hmm. So you're both yeah. together? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I always try to picture... What what is happening for real? You know, <laughs> yeah. So I'm so are you kind of hunched Jason over a table together, and you're like your face is almost touching. Is that <laughs> actually no? Okay, I'll, I'll give you a clear picture. Uh, I am sitting in front of a computer at the computer desk. I've got the keyboard in front of me, and Stephen is to my left, but he's facing me. But you're a good what three feet away from me. Yeah. My arm length out and your arm length out. Yeah, and we, we still we can, aren't touching. Yeah, we don't touch. So we're, we're good. Uh, Stephen, back up, back up. Back if up, I back. sit there, it'll be annoying if I sit too close because I'd be wanting to see what he's doing on the screen. Uh huh. Yeah, like uh, so I don't look at the screen what he's doing. Like during the drop show, I had your chair like right behind me so you could see everything that was going on. But otherwise, right. you know, Stephen's just off to the side. I remember one time when I did the show with my dad. We were going to record the uh, film music show. We did that with Andy from the Hollywood Saloon. 
and I sat pulled up to the uh, computer. My dad pulled way up, like right next to me. He was like <laughs> bumping into me, and I was like, "What? Well, what are you doing, <laughs> Dad? What are you doing?" He goes, "Well, I, I want to be where the action is," and I'm like, "I'm calling Andy on Skype. There's no reason for you to be There's up. no action. Just scoot back. <laughs> Give me some space." And he, whenever he starts to like you know get on my nerves a little and i go dad please stop he's like you're so funny it's so this bothers you this bothers you i'm like yeah get away get away he's like oh wow you're so funny and i'm just like i'm gonna punch my dad here in a second see i will get distracted the tv's kind of to my right mm-hmm. and so it's I'm not, it's not really in my eyesight every something will flicker and it'll catch my attention and i turn and look yeah but i try not to so i can pay attention to what's going on yeah, it's usually uh, during voicemails. I'll kind of like look at see what's on TV. No, I'm kidding. We're paying attention to voicemails, well, guys. I'm when there's just a hockey kidding. game on, <laughs> yeah. I, get, I will get distracted. Ken, let <laughs> but, me. Well, I can I can see your point and your your dad's point too. Maybe sometimes you get into this audio zone where you're so intensely into your audio space, you don't even realize your physical space. Like when you're on the phone, sometimes walking with your phone, and you don't even know where you are. Like yes. when you're after after you've you know looked up and say where, where have I walked? Are you a pacer when you talk on the phone, or do you like to sit down? I don't. I I usually pace. Yeah, me too. I uh, the way we have an open kitchen where I can walk through the living room, through the kitchen, through the living room, and I just go around in circles as I'm talking on the phone. <laughs> I like have to keep in motion. And, uh, you know, like if I'm talking to my dad, he's like, why, why, where are you? Why are you breathing like that? I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, are you outside? I'm like, no, I'm just walking around my house or whatever. That's one of my pet peeves also with my dad when I'm talking to him and he'll go, where, where are you? And I'm like, what dad, what's bothering you? I hear background noise. Are you, are you in some kind of public place? It's like, what does it matter where I am? Just shut up. <laughs> Sorry. This isn't a pet peeves that, uh, that my dad, I have with my dad. <laughs> he drives you're me crazy. Your you're, you're in your audio zone. You know, yes. you're, you're tuning out physical world. Yeah. That's right. So when I'm here at the computer, you know, it's just, I need some arm space for, you know, uh, yeah, I've done that driving, talking on the phone, and it was like all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm already here. Crap, you know, <laughs> I've zoned out the whole drive, yeah. and that's really terrible. I know, and I try not to do that. Now I now I keep my when I drive on the road, uh, my phone's in my computer bag in the trunk. It has it has to be away from me. Yeah, yeah. Or else it'll be like one of those TV shows when your a character is talking on the phone and then gets hit by a truck right. while they're talking uh, right. while step, driving. Step off a curb. So yeah, now I I'll rarely have my phone up front with me. So that, now, it's just Ken. Can it, I ask you a question now that I'm thinking about yeah. that? Yeah. Okay, you're in Tokyo, correct? Right. Cell service in Tokyo is it fantastic? I mean, I'm just going by the fact that you know it's a heavily populated city. What is phone reception like in Tokyo? It it uh, depends, but in the subway, it's amazing. You know, you you think you're you're down at least a, two or three kilometers, and you still got reception. Uh huh. Um, one so thing you- about it is everyone has a cell phone. And so, and, but the thing is the providers, there's a monopoly 
Uh-huh. And, and, and all the phone, uh, the reception towers are all above ground. Like they never really build underground uh, towers. So it's a weird kind of thing where you just, maybe you've seen like uh, movies or, or anime where you just see like light poles everywhere in the street. That's, those are all the towers um, taking, taking the reception. They never built underground towers. I guess underground tower, that doesn't make sense. Like underground cables. Or, right, right, right. So uh, uh, obviously they, they have the fiber some, optics. They have something underground in the subway that's you know gives you a good signal, though. Some kind of antenna or yeah. something. Yeah, some repeaters down there. That's cool. So how long have you been in uh, Japan now? Since I moved last year, it's been about a year and a half. I'm trying to think, was it a year ago we had you on the show? Or has it been a little bit? No, longer? that was I was just a, about to move. That was when I was still in LA. So oh, okay, that's so awesome. So this is the first live uh, from from Tokyo. Yeah, that was literally like awesome. just right then. We're so right. around the world. So what do you think now that you've been there a while and settled in? Uh, well, it's you know I've been here before, so it's I, the culture shock is not that yeah. bad um right. I'm, I'm still learning things though and you you kind of get used to things and things that are strange uh are still strange um just the way you, you're supposed to behave in public and at work and uh you know as a as a foreigner you, you can kind of get away with not doing certain things but you always feel the kind of pressure to do what everyone else is doing so right. it's uh it's it's uh, tough to be an individual. Do you mean like your demeanor like you can't really be too goofy in public kind of thing like be silly or is yeah, it just things like things like talking on in public like uh we we're talking about talking on the cell phones. Right. Uh if you do that in public that's rude. If you're especially on a train or you know at at night. It's very quiet at night even though Tokyo you think it's it it, it is a night town but Late at night, uh, you can, it's very quiet, and you can hear people talking blocks away, and it's rude to talk after a certain hour. Um, and on the subway, you're not supposed to talk. And I, and, I, and I mean, you're not even supposed to talk to a person next to you. Wow. <laughs> it's just like something that's been ingrained to everyone since birth that you don't do this. Yeah, in fact, there was one funny thing where a, a coworker and I were getting on a train, and he's Japanese, and and he was saying to me, "Okay, let's uh, let's let's sit like this, like you're over here, and I'm over, and, and I'm over here." And I'm like, "Okay, so we're going to move over here together." And he he said, "No, no, you sit over there because if we sit together, we're going to talk." <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I'd ever had someone say to me, "Like, let's sit, let's like, sit like we, we will talk, so let's not sit together." You know, so we're not rude to the other passengers. And of course, in America, we talk everywhere. We don't care who hears us. Yeah. Just, just ask my dad. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> climbing there's on, a funny you know. story. You can probably look it up. There was a recent. Uh, it, there was a, a train going to the Kansai Airport in in Osaka, and I guess there were a lot of foreigners on the train, making it uh, inconvenient for for the Japanese passengers. And there was a complaint. 
And so the conductor of the train made an, an announcement saying, uh, I, we apologize, but there are a lot of foreigners on the train today. So uh, it's, it's, we're having difficulty uh, getting, you know, quiet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> making a, getting there quickly and quietly. And this became a big, a big scandal. And there were news reports about wow. it. And uh, cause you're just not supposed to say those things in public. You know what? I like quiet. I think I might like this. That's one thing that, uh, you know, I hear my daughter, sometimes she'll tell me how school is or whatever, and she goes, it's too loud. The kids are just too loud. I don't like it. And I'm like, wow, you sound like me. That's the way I am. When it's too noisy somewhere, yeah. I just don't like it. I think I would like Japan. <laughs> like, oh, I well, love this. You- no- if, if you don't like noise, this is the place to be. Although it, it's, it goes against the stereotype of the of the stereotypical image of just crowds and noise and everything. I mean, if you go inside a pachinko parlor, you you, you will go deaf from the noise. <laughs> yeah. um, but the homes are very they're not insulated. Like I'm knocking my wall right now. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah. That's hollow. That's a oh, hollow wow. wall. Um. So you can, you can hear everything when someone's walking around in another apartment. You can hear that person walking. You can hear talking. You... That's interesting because that's another thing. Like we in America insulate everything so we can't hear stuff outside or whatever or our <laughs> right. neighbors. But, but we we're quiet. really loud in public, too. It's it's very interesting. Uh, what about like, say, can you like listen to earbuds? Is that rude if you're listening to music while on the subway or something? Oh no, you, you, that's fine. Um, but make sure you don't. It's not uh, loud enough for people to hear. You, you don't walk like like make sure you don't fall in fall in front of the train or lose your way. Like there are signs warning you about this. And uh, when Pokemon Go was started right. coming up, uh, I guess people were just wandering around without knowing where they were going, and they had to put up signs saying, uh, "Don't use your smartphone on the platform, or you might, you know." You might get crushed by the train, or you might fall over somebody, and yeah, and they have these, of course, cartoon illustrations of uh, of people, you know, um, getting crushed in doors and falling over and things. Uh, so they, they they want you to use earphones. They just want you to be careful, right? Yeah, I, you know, I obviously I travel a lot from my work, and first thing I do, I get on the airplane and I my headphones are on, right, and. Yeah. There was a guy last week sat next to me, and he wanted to chat. And he wound up chatting to the guy in the, on the aisle seat. He was a middle seat, you know, and I had my headphones on. Mm-hmm. Didn't have music playing. I knew I could hear everything. But it's uh-huh. just like, yeah, it's it's the deterrent to keep people from talking to me that's on the a, plane. <laughs> that's another thing. Was it an older gentleman or a younger person? Older. Old. Okay, because the older generation, they spark up conversations with each other. Like my dad or my or Heather's dad, they're like, hey, you know, they'll just start talking about stuff. And I'm like, what is this talking to stranger stuff? Like, well, I don't want to talk to anybody. Well, it's- as soon as the plane takes off, I'm going to go to sleep anyways. And if mm-hmm. they try to talk to me, and all of a sudden I can't get my sleep. Right. I'm going to be annoyed. So <laughs> it was like It sounds like uh who somebody in Japan like a long time ago was like, "Let's have it where we don't bother each other in public." <laughs> That's very interesting. And you you've talked before about the movie theater thing, how you get movies way after in America most of the time, right? Right. Right. And have you so gotten we're, used to- we're still waiting. We're still waiting for Star Trek Beyond. Oh, wow. 
Uh, I enjoy, and, uh, quite enjoyed it. I recommend it. <laughs> and, and we saw we went to see the BFG like two weeks ago, and um, they uh, they had a coming attraction for the Secret Life of Pets. Oh wow! So, that, so we're still waiting for that too. I think that's on Blu-ray now. No, no maybe not. Maybe it hasn't come out yet. But yeah, that's that's interesting. But, but it's interesting, but what they do is because in this coming attraction for Secret Life of Pets, they made sure they put the faces of the the Japanese voice actors in the coming attraction because that's probably why it takes so long because they have to uh, oh, they yeah. have to dub everything into Japanese and then they hire these celebrity voice actors to do the, the voices and then that becomes part of the marketing campaign, right? And that so that's so that that was like. So that's like half the marketing is this who's who's doing the voices. Yeah, I can uh, see that. So it takes like a few extra months. And then they also like to uh, clear out the schedule. Um, so they put a lot of movies out at the same time, like Hollywood movies out on the same day. And then uh, and then when a big Japanese movie comes out, they make sure nothing else is coming out at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So it keeps their own uh, keeps their own movies most popular. That's funny, you know. Yeah. I remember uh, Andy save the better theaters for their mo- for Andy, their movies at the time. Andy Richter, who's on Conan, he's Conan's sidekick. He posted something on Twitter. I believe he was in Japan, so correct me if I'm wrong. But he said there's this weird thing he noticed on TV shows where they have a little circle with somebody else you have no idea who the person is they're watching the same show you are and you can see their reaction to what you're watching yes yeah what? so here's here's the thing it uh they they have these studio spaces where they sit down all these uh, what are called what are called talents or talento who are just professional faces who just show up on all these TV shows and they, <laughs> they sit them, they sit them in these, like, uh, these stadium style seating. And there could be anywhere between like 10 and 15 of these Tarento just sitting there. And, um, and then they have these, uh, these segments where they go out and there might be a theme like, you know, how do, uh, how do people eat, you know, sushi at, you know, or, or how, or how do young people date or things like that? And they'll go out and uh, and show you this footage of people doing stuff. And while they're showing the footage, they have this little circle on the top part of the screen with one of these talento, like, watching what we're watching. And we're looking at the talento reacting to what they're looking at. And most of the time, they, they say one of three things. They either say uh, sugoi, which means amazing, or they say oishi for delicious, if there's any food on the screen. Or, or kawaii for oh how cute. <laughs> so, so 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 I call it the you know cute delicious wonderful uh, formula formula for television in Japan. Um, so, so they tell us so so the talents are telling us what to feel about everything we're looking at. Uh, who came up with that idea? That's so strange. I guess it, it's- I don't know. I don't know. And then they have all this text all over the screen, like a subtitling what the person's saying. So like you get this like time. tripling up of of reaction upon react on top of reaction, and it's almost like you feel you feel superfluous to the whole. <laughs> right. It's like it's just about them, you know, talking to each other. It kind of reminds me of uh, like when you're watching a talk show or like America's Funny Some Videos. They'll cut to someone in the off uh, in the audience go like, <laughs> it'll show them react to it, but it's like all yeah. the time it's there, you know, like yeah. 
just have a box with that person watching it. I'm like, why, why, why do I care what this person feels about this? <laughs> but that sounds like a good gig. How do I get a job doing that? Just sitting there <laughs> reacting to things. Well, there is a show called Cool Japan uh, from NHK, and they go around gathering up foreigners and put them in a studio and they just ask them questions like, is this cool? Is that cool? Um, and then uh, And then try to find out, like, what is cool about us? And you tell us, you foreigners, tell us what's cool about Japan. Um, and you could just say whatever you want. And, uh, you know, I looked up some of these names of people who show up on this show. And I guess they're these local, uh, they, they're, they're local talents trying to become like consultants or um, musicians or, you know, they're trying to get a career in Japan. <laughs> and through connections, they just get on this show and, they pretend to be these authentic uh, foreigners talking about like how cool Japan is and all this. And um, it's a, it's a, it's a strange kind of kind of cultural phenomenon. <laughs> this, you know, like, like we need a show about foreigners telling us how cool we are. Yeah. Do you watch it entertained or fascinated by it? Or have you like, are you like tuned out? Like I can't watch this. I have to look at it just cause it's part of my research. I just look into like how these kinds of like what like what about Japan circulates around the world and makes uh, and and defines it as uh, as kind of a, a, a visual space. You know right. things like things like uh, Shibuya Crossing. You know like mm-hmm. that this the stereotypical images that circulate um, and it's something manufactured by both Japan and by outsiders. And that show is kind of like a it's kind of like a contact zone where you can kind of see it happening. Just uh, how, how Japan wants to define itself as attractive, as cool, you know, and they need foreigners to kind of uh, help them define it. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of in my mind, I picture it busy like that crossing all the time, the whole city. And it's probably not any close to that, but. What yeah, I mean that that image is just—it's all over the. It, I, I I've been watching all these documentaries on uh, on Amazon and these TV shows like The Amazing Race. You, did you ever watch The Amazing The Amazing Race? Sure. Yeah. And whenever they went to Japan, they made sure they got to that damn Shibuya Crossing. Like they just showed you they showed you that, and then they'll show you like a geisha, and then they'll show you you know someone eating sushi, and it's like. This shorthand of just this is this right. is Japan, boom, boom, boom. You know. Yeah, they kind of. You know what's funny is uh, I know this is yeah, a they, little bit different, but whenever the Dallas Cowboys are say on a national game, they always show the Fort Worth Stockyards, and I'm like, it's it's not even that close to where the stadium is. What what are they doing here? You know, they always cut to something that hey, everybody look cattle. Here's some yeah. here's when some I cowboys. Places, it used to be. It's like so you have a horse. It's like no, if I don't have just like horse. if there's like a 49ers game, what do they cut to? The Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. You just got it. Something you identify with, right? Yeah, and the same happens with the with the like here when people talk about the U.S. Like I had a, a couple of students ask me for recommendations for hotels in Los Angeles, and uh, and I was recommending some things, and they said, "Well, we want to make sure we're not." killed or 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 attacked and i'm like really well <laughs> yeah, because, they, because they have this impression that there are just guns everywhere and you know like can we walk around like after dark i'm well well Sometimes. i don't know <laughs> <laughs> 
where are you going to be Take responsibility if you <laughs> yeah that's interesting the way the rest of the world p- perceives uh the u.s it's i can imagine it's uh, pretty insane right now, the way you would see, especially like the the election and stuff. It's like, oh my place, god, yeah. I just, it's, back. Trump is all over. Uh, I'm sorry to say, to, and he's just all over the news here. Right, right. Well, he's all over the news everywhere. We can't get yeah. away. From, I cannot wait till the election's over. <laughs> oh my god, I need a breather. This is one of the first times I'm thinking about not voting. You know? <laughs> I was just like, oh. that'd be the worst thing. You've got to vote, Stephen. It's so funny that for years also, you know, not to go into you-know-who, he who should not be named, but we used to cover it every week with that stupid show, and we were making fun of him for years, like, uh, we know he's a buffoon. I know, it's like nostalgia, but in, in a twisted way, it's like a negative nostalgia for the 90s. Here's, you know, the Clintons and the Trumps, like, like can we resurrect something nicer from the nineties? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, I can just imagine that because you on the news, there's always shootings and stuff. So probably in other parts of the world, it doesn't sound like there's anywhere. Sounds that's like, safe. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not safe here anywhere. And I would have said, well, you know, you know, people in Texas are supposedly supposed to all have guns and stuff, but it's safe right. to walk around. But then there was that Dallas shooting where the guy shot the police and stuff. It's like, so, you never know when horrible things will happen anywhere, you know. All you can do is prepare. If anything goes down, That's we need to leave. run. <laughs> I, don't, I don't leave my hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to be, uh, you know, in reality, I'm probably a scaredy cat, but I always wanted to be the Indiana Jones or the no. John McClane, somebody who reacts the correct way. But instead, it would be like, ah, you know, or something. I don't know how, you know, you never know how you'd react in those situations. Like, I've imagined being in a movie theater, and I picture sometimes what, Jason, what would you do right now if a gunman walked in? And it would be like, I'd be terrified, but the first thing I'd have to do is jump on my daughter and protect her. I would just have to react like that. You know what I mean? Uh, and I have to tell my, we're living in this day and age where something like that might happen. You have to react you have to do something isn't that weird that i tell myself stuff like that <laughs> you're sounding a little like like travis bickle like you're tra- you're training you know you're yes you're, hiding, you're you're buying all these guns and knives and you're, I you're do just need ready to get one of those pop-out guns in my sleeve like just you gotta wear long sleeves you can't you're always wearing short sleeves suck on this you know, uh, you're a, you're a, you're a commando you know ready for action and <laughs> Yeah, and I guarantee you there's people, you know, who are always armed when they go to places, so, what? you know, you never know what's going to happen. I, I told you about Nothing my, ever happens, though. <laughs> I told you about my weird experience at the, when I went to go see The Dark Knight Rises. Right. And I was in Utah, and it was like a week after the incident in Colorado. And yeah. And I'm sitting oh, there, yeah. and, the, and the dude walks in, and he's got a 12-inch hunting knife strapped to his thigh. I'm like... It says this? no weapons allowed. Yeah, you why know? does that guy have a knife? And so he was going into the theater that I was in. So I sit on the back row, a la Jason. He lets he's taught me my move. And so every any time a movement happened, my head jerked over to see if it was that dude getting up to stab somebody. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You watched him the whole time. I didn't know where he was. I lost him 
when I went in. Oh, wow. Were you, like... you have assigned seats there. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just kind of, every time something moved, I was looking to the left or right, you know. And then after the movie, the lights came up and I looked behind me and there was a cop standing there the whole time. I'm like, I could have relaxed the whole time. <laughs> Dang, why didn't I realize that guy was there the whole time? Come on. Yeah, let's... Some reason, like movie theaters are places where people seem to have the the, the shortest tempers. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, you just like can imagine people snapping for some what, reason. What is behavior like in say uh, a Japanese movie theater? Because you said you know you don't talk on the subway. What about in a movie? Very quiet. Very very quiet. <laughs> like, do people <laughs> laugh out loud? No. No. Even in a comedy. Um, not really, no. I mean, I, I mean, there's no, I mean, in a, I'm used to like in, in the States, people talking on their phones, like, like that kind of thing doesn't happen. Right. You don't have that kind of rude behavior, which is great. Thank goodness. But, but it also makes, com- and this happens in a cla- the classroom too, when I show comedies, sometimes they, they enjoy it, but it's not like there's this like laughter, like this, this like wave of laughter. laughter. Is yeah, it just like well, it's like like they're they're suppressing it. <laughs> yeah. Now that is interesting. That would be terrible if you're trying to get a read. Like, what do you guys think of this? Huh? And it's just like I have no idea what they think of this. <laughs> you just have to ask them afterwards. Do they ever say that was hilarious or that was very funny? But you never would have known because they didn't react. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I remember showing in class once a, a clip from Jackass. Yeah. To, to, to show them like this is a documentary type of uh, this is a type of documentary and, and I, I showed them the scene where uh what is his name steve-o almost gets bitten by an alligator like he has do you remember that scene yes. he's he's like hanging from a rope over an alligator yeah he's got some something like dangling from his underwear that the alligator is going to eat yeah and uh <laughs> and I show that to the class and you can sense like they're really excited and, and they're, they can't believe what they're seeing and everything. Um, but they can't just like laugh at it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you almost want to say laugh? It's okay. But they can't cause it's part of the way so, they've been. So with your wife, is it different in your home? Does she get to laugh out loud in, in the home? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh. it's different in Vietnam. Oh my God. Yeah. There's there's laughing there's a lot of laughing in, in Vietnamese theaters that I've experienced. You know? um, I just figured it out. That's why you need a person on the screen showing you how you're supposed to react <laughs> because you're so, it's so ingrained in you that you don't react to anything. It's like, Oh, I'm supposed to be reacting like that guy on the screen right there. That's what it is. I think. Yeah, that might be that might help just to have like a like when you have like a reference point. You know, in a live studio lines, the oh applause God, line, man. the applause light, just have like a laugh light or something. Like what that. what if you put your reactions to the movie on the screen too? Like say there's jackass, but there's a screen like a circle and your face is there and you're laughing. <laughs> They're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just copy that same uh, strategy she- they do or Maybe that would. Uh, you know, and they, there's also I, I get I don't know if you I get interesting reactions from students to things I show them. Um, you know, did did you see the movie Whiplash? Whiplash, yes, the drum uh, movie. Yes, and 
uh, I showed that movie in class, and uh, they really they really liked it. But I asked them because we're analyzing sound, and I said, "So, what sound do you remember from this?" Because sounds are hard to remember, right? So you want to I want to ask them like, "What's what sounds do you remember from this movie?" And a lot of students just said, uh, "I don't want you to bleep this out," but they said, "Oh, we just heard the f word." Uh, but they said it. They said the word like. I don't know if we can say it on the podcast. But, they said yeah. it very innocently. Go ahead. You can say it. They said well, it very... I'll, I'll, I'll say it the way they said it. They said, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> F-A-C-K. <laughs> um, that word, uh, many, many students were saying that was like, it was too much. It was they, too much swearing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they just and heard I never... that over and over again. Yeah, I know. And and I guess when you hear it as a when you're hearing a word like that in a foreign language, it may stick out more. To us it's just like punctuation, right? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and um and I showed them uh movies like uh, I showed them The Road Warrior. Oh wow. And and um Singing in the Rain and I and asked them what their favorite character is and they never say the hero. Like they, they never say, "Oh, I like Dawn in Singing in the Rain," or "I like Max." They say things like, "Oh, we like the gyrocopter, the gyro captain in Road Warrior. He's our favorite." Or, you know, um, what's his name in Singing in the Rain? Cosmo, the sidekick. They they really like this the sidekick characters. That's interesting. I like yeah, that. and they I like know, the comic relief portion. I guess, yeah, or you know, someone who's not the hero but is like next to the hero. Mm-hmm. Someone um, you can identify with, you know? Well, I guess I can see the point because I mean, I don't identify with Max, but maybe I'd be the gyro. <laughs> maybe yeah, I'd be think, more of a gyrocopter than a Max type, yeah, I guess. I think I wanted to be Max as a kid, but I was closer to the gyro captain. <laughs> I wanted to be the feral kid with the blade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did they write? Like, to, I, to like, the... like I can't be John McClane, but I can be, uh, you know, Al Powell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could be the guy on the phone. Like, you know, Trying to trying to trying to be nice to him. We've got help coming. Be cool, dude. I'm the guy, the the power guy, who's like, I don't think we can do that, guys. I don't think we can shut this down. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, we're never. I got I got a switch. I don't give two shits about your switch. <laughs> yeah. Have you showed them Die Hard? I'm in, I'm interested. Like, oh, Argyle is probably who they'd identify with. He's the sidekick, isn't he? Oh. Argyle, yeah. I, 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 the story of his character's name I always liked, where Joel Silver was explaining the movie to s- some studio head, and he and he says, yeah, so this guy, this cop comes into L.A., and he's picked up by a limo driver, and his name is, and he looks around, and he looks at his own socks, and he says, his name's Argyle. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it. Joel Silver is such a genius. He can pick a name of a character from from this from the type of sock he's wearing that day. That reminds me of that scene in The Player when the uh, new executive has a newspaper. You want a plot of a movie, and he reads like any story, and he goes, "There's a movie right there." You know? Yeah, yeah. He's, and uh, he says bonds have dropped three percent last. And he says, "I see Connery as Bond." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I'm sorry. I'm just so fascinated by that stuff, Ken. So I always have to ask you about it. No, no, it's fun because uh, you know 
I, I, I don't get a chance to, to share this kind of thing with people who would like get that perspective of like, really? That's interesting. I am curious how, when you decide, Oh, I should show them this movie. What makes you, what, how do you pick a movie you want to show them? It's got to have something that relates to the topic. So for road warrior, I, I use that movie to talk about editing right. and, uh, cin- and cinematography. Cause you can take any two minutes of, that movie and you have every single type of camera movement there is right you know so i can just take the first you know two minutes of road warrior and i'm like this is a textbook on cinematography camera movement you know um or for like i show them chunking express uh to show them like a production design like a like half the movies in this guy's apartment so you can really like like look at the space and how it's how it's built and everything. I mean, it was a real place, but, um, but, but the apartment has symbolic meaning, all these props that he's talking to and things. So uh, it has to match the topic, but, but it has to have a fast pace because students don't like slow movies. Um, and it has to have some kind of humor. (laughs) 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 So, and and it can't be a horror movie because, uh, you don't want to turn people off. Right. That's, That's what I was wondering because of like the road where it has some graphic imagery. How do you know you're not going to turn off some of the students? Yeah, what they're I was seeing? I was a little worried about that, but it's it's uh, it's just it's not explicit. It's just OK. You know, it's on the edge. <laughs> the rape scene was a little on the edge, but right. I think it was it wasn't too bad. But I once I once was a teaching assistant in a class. This was a class for freshmen. Um, I won't say the university, but the professor there showed the students straw dogs. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, uh, and I was, I mean, it's a great movie, but come on, you're not gonna, I mean, to show that to a 300 freshmen. Yeah. And, oh yeah. There were, there were problems. There were problems. Um, there were complaints. Yeah. That's what I think. Like anything with a rape. Okay. That's out. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But it does have that cool bear trap scene, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, but that per- that movie, you think, okay, for editing, that's a perfect movie to show and, you know, like, other things. But sometimes you just have to, you know, you, you, have, you just have to make a decision. Like, have you ever think you just won't show, you know? Have you ever another shown great, them a movie? Another great movie is The Warriors. Oh, yeah. Or that movie is amazing. I do love The Warriors. It is a great movie. Um, the scene where the where they're on the subway. Well, I know that it's all on the subway, but the scene where they're riding on the subway towards uh, Coney Island, and it's almost daylight, and they've been through hell, right? And so they're sitting there, they're tired. One of them is sleeping, and uh, and then the door opens, and these rich kids come into the subway car. Do you remember this scene? Yeah. And uh, and they're dressed up and like like they're going like they just came from the prom. Yes, 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 yes. And uh, like the guys are dressed in these tuxedos and the women are in these dresses and and the subway is this hideous like it's covered in graffiti and it's dirty and it's the lights are fluorescent like it's awful. Um, and it's like two worlds just colliding and they sit across from the warriors laughing and talking and everything, and then they just shut up just seeing the warriors staring at them and there's no dialogue. It's like a silent movie and you're watching this, uh, this play out. 
and then the the rich kids they they get quiet and then they like kind of just nod like out of respect like we're not going to bother you you know yeah um and then they get up and then the girl uh the rich girl drops her corsage on the floor and then the the girl who's with the warriors i forget her name uh but anyway but then she gets up and picks it up and it's just a perfect little silent movie it really is uh, and to, whenever I show that to students, they just talk about everything. It's got everything, you know, performance, sound, color, you know, costumes, makeup. Uh, I just love showing showing things that just students like it and then they, they learn a lot by, by analyzing it. That is cool. Yeah, that when you think about, you know, that's not the first scene I thought about when you brought up the Warriors, but that is a, a fantastic scene in that movie. And sometimes it's scenes like that that uh, just turn it from like a standard like thriller or whatever into something more than you, you know, the Warriors, you know, their lives, what their lives are and what it could be, you know kids their same age they're like they're not living on the streets and getting in fights and stuff like that That's yeah cool. it, it's not a and it's not even a necessary scene it's got nothing to do it doesn't advance anything it doesn't mm-hmm. advance the story or the plot it's just a moment out of time and uh and when a movie has those scenes in it uh you don't it's like you have to watch it again to realize how how great it is because yeah. you were just you have this action plot, right? I mean, it's like, uh, you, you know, it's not just an action movie. It's it's also about um, a certain class of people in right. a certain part of New York City. And uh, and how do you know that? It's it's from scenes like that. So, uh, so when scenes like that come up, and you don't even think about it the first time you watch the movie, you just want to know how it ends. But then you look at it and say, wow, you know, this... These, this is pretty sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, I'd say one of those. Uh, Jaws, Jaws is another example that I, I show Jaws every class I can. Um, there are so many scenes in Jaws that are not just about chasing a shark. You know, right? Yeah, that's what I love about it. All the stuff going on in Amity. Yeah, it's a political. I mean, it's almost a political satire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Worst and, uh, mayor ever. <laughs> that's a really. That, that, I, I think that movie is really misanthropic. I think that movie just hates people. <laughs> yeah. You know when when you have the tourists coming in and the beaches are open and the tourists come in, the image of the tourists is just like, oh, these people. Yeah, like all these <laughs> slobs coming in to consume, <laughs> and the shark is consuming them. Oh, oh, Jason! Oh my God. you know i was thinking one of those scenes like in the warriors that happens it's the easy way to do a scene like that that we see it all the time in tv shows or movies it's where someone sees the couple frolicking in the park or they could either be a family with kids and it they look so happy or it could be the opposite you've just gotten your girlfriend pregnant and then you see a couple with kids are like ah! like screaming and stuff you know there you always see scenes like that in right. movies but you can do it also where it's artfully done which i like much better yeah and i, and I like movies that make fun of that sort of thing like uh, in Pee Wee's big adventure 
when when he loses his bike and then uh he's just kind of wandering around like missing his bike and it seems like everyone around him has a bike yes <laughs> yes <laughs> and even like, he's sitting at a bench and then people are like riding riding on bikes like back and forth and there's like a tandem bike and then like and then a little toy a little toy bike goes a little <laughs> the, the motorcycle cop yeah on a bike yeah i love the humor in Wee's big adventure I remember there was this there's this weird Ari Gross movie called Hexed. Do you remember that? Where mm-hmm. he's dating the psycho woman who's trying to kill him. There's a, he's is he like a bellhop or something in a hotel? God, it's huh. been so long. I, I mean, he's he's sitting in a cafeteria with his friend, and he's like, I picture myself working here till I'm an old man. I can barely walk. I just I just don't want to do that. And she's like, Where do you get these morbid? visions in your head and then you know he's like points and there's a guy dressed the same way he is he's got like this green jacket that they and he's like oh and he's walking along with his tray of food (laughs) you know i like visual jokes like that would you like to get into some news guys let's do some news i want to know ken rogue one a star wars story have you watched the latest trailer have you watched any of the trailers uh, yeah, and I saw one in the uh, Japanese theater, and it looked pretty cool, actually. It does look really neat. Uh, I'm excited about it. I'm almost to the point now where, like, okay, you're showing me too much. You guys are going, you're showing me too much. That's why I really like this latest trailer. But I was like, I felt like I don't want to watch it anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's December. It comes out. It's going to be out Christmas soon. Uh, I don't need to see any more. This should be the final trailer. You know, I've signed up. I've almost wondered if they're like, uh, no, we need to show them more. I'm not sure they're sold on what this is yet. You know what I mean? So is it like, uh, so it's not in the main narrative, but it's sort of this this side, like a parallel narrative? It's a side story, yes. And yeah. a while ago, uh, Gareth Edwards said that the name Rogue One, you know, he was jokingly referred to the the movie as the Rogue One from the trilogies. Uh, it's this side story, which is the people who got the Death Star plans and then they deliver it to Princess Leia, and that's the way A New Hope oh. begins. She so, had- so the final, so the final battle scene in Star Wars when you hear "This is Rogue Two or "This is Rogue." Blah blah blah. Like that's that's a reference to these X wing X wing classes. Is that right? I I believe so. Hmm. And the first story I have is actually Felicity Jones, where you know people were asking about reshoots of Rogue One. Like, oh, this means uh, uh, I'm so sick of hearing this. We hear it about all these films. Whenever they do reshoots, that means something's wrong. In the case of Suicide Squad, okay, maybe that meant yes, there were things wrong. They were refilming things. Uh, because executives wanted to be happier, I guess. <laughs> but, uh-huh. No, it, it always means there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it means they're they're going to do. They're changing something. They they're trying to make it better. And, yeah, and I heard that. I heard that um, Gareth Edwards didn't even direct those reshoots. Really, I haven't heard that. I heard it was um, Tony Gilroy got called in. He's this. I think oh, he's yeah. a co-writer of the movie and. And he also did Michael Clayton, you know who he is. And yeah, then, I'm a uh, huge fan. They of brought him into uh, to direct the reshoots. Wow, I'm a huge fan of Michael Clayton. I think that's a great movie, by the way. Oh yeah, it's amazing. 
it's got this underlying subtext with the book the boy's reading that's really fascinating when you watch it repeatedly. Mm. But here's my story. Earlier this summer, it was revealed that Rogue One, a Star Wars story, was undergoing reshoots, which we've already established. Mm -hmm. Since then, the film has been plagued with stories about how it might not live up to expectations. Well, it's going to be hard to do that. It's a Star Wars movie. This con uh, these concerns were made even more palpable when Disney CEO Bob Iger called the film an experiment of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> Lucasfilm president K Kathleen Kennedy was also quick to downplay rumors that the film was undergoing a crisis. And now star Felicity Jones is offering her own defense of the reshoots. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Jones compared the reshoots to a first draft of a manuscript and argued that the reshoots are often times necessary. Obviously, when you come to the edit, you see the film come together and you think, actually, we could do this better. And this would make more sense if we did this. Jones told the magazine, I've done it so many times. I mean, you wouldn't just give your first draft on this story, would you? Rogue One stars Jones as uh, rebel fighter Jin Erso. In the film, she teams up with other rebel pilots and fighters and attempt to steal the plans of the Death Star. So that's the story. But yeah, I think... A lot of films have done reshoots that we don't know about. Right. If the film turns out good, it doesn't matter. Who cares? But uh, if it turns out bad... So I think it's just a story to to, uh, <laughs> to publish, right? To get people to read it and click on it. Yeah. Or, or, or to get the word out ahead of time when it doesn't do as well as Force Awakens. Right. I think it, it'll do gangbusters, though. Come on. It's Star Wars. All you got to do is show those AT-ATs shooting guys and mm -hmm. stepping near them, and I get excited. Um, so, 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 the, so the expectations are, are lowered to, for you? So, you? so you have lowered expectations because of, this, because of these stories, or no, do you just ignore them? It's, I, just, it's just noise. I was sold, it's just noise. It's just noise. I was sold yeah. on this the first time I read about it. Uh, I'm just very interested I'm hoping it's not – I mean, I'm not hoping anything. I'm I'm just trying to let the movie come to me, but I'm excited that it's a standalone Star Wars film. I remember when I would uh, be in framing and we'd talk about Star Wars. We always wanted this kind of side story with just showing combat and stuff with troops. I think it, it could be very interesting. We'll see. We'll mm. see. I know that I'll be there on opening night, right? Yep. Well, we won't be there on the Thursday. We usually wait till the next day. The Friday. <laughs> when is it? The week before Christmas? I think so. Okay. Now, Let's, can I this... start vacation. This should uh, get you excited, Ken. Hugh Jackman teases plot with a new photo. That's right. Wolverine actor Hugh Jackman has taken to social media to tease what lies ahead for the Claude Mutant. Claude Mutant in Fox's upcoming X-Men film. Mutant. The film is called Logan. That's right. It's a Wolverine film just called Logan. Jackman shared the following photos on what appears to be a bathroom stall with the question, where are all the mutants on its surface? Just yesterday, Logan director James Mangold, I love to say his name that way, <laughs> shared a plot teaser of his own, posting a pair of action-packed storyboard photos that depict Wolverine clawing his way through a car windshield. 
Logan opens in theaters March 3rd, 2017. That tells us nothing, does it? I love that. Where are all the mutants? Oh, that's what the movie's about. Okay, sufficiently teased. Okay, that wasn't as good a story. I'm sorry, but I'm going to make it up here. Okay, ready? I'm ready. Robert Downey Jr. wants to voice Zuckerberg's Jarvis AI. That's right. Robert Downey Jr. wants to voice Jarvis in an attempt. I also love that we read what the story is, and then they say it again in the first line. (laughs) Robert Downey Jr. wants to voice Jarvis in an attempt to confuse Marvel fans all over the world. Rather than in a film, though, Downey Jr. wants to voice Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg's real-life Jarvis AI. It's time to give my AI Jarvis a voice, wrote Zuckerberg on Facebook. Who should I ask to do it? The post had over 39,000 comments, but he probably wasn't expecting the Iron Man actor to reply. I'll do it in a heartbeat if Bettany gets paid and donates it to a cause of Cumberbatch's choosing. That's right. Kind of strange. Okay. Paul Bettany voices Jarvis in the Iron Man movies, and in the end, uh, comments refers to Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange. This just got real, Zuckerberg replied. This is so convoluted already. I've lost lost the thread. Basically, Robert Downey Jr. commented he'll do it if... uh, He's basically plugging Doctor Strange is what it sounds like. When I heard the word strange, I'm like, ah, I know where this is going. Yeah. uh, Okay, bad story. Make it up to us, and you didn't. But the idea of a Zuckerberg (laughs) AI, I think, is interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Mark Zuckerberg with an AI. Because, you know, Google has the new AI also that they're going to have in their phones. This is the beginning of Skynet, guys. <laughs> is there going to be a countdown like in Terminator Genesis? Yes, the new uh, system or what are they? <laughs> new operating system, Genesis with a Y. Now, let me ask you, Ken, are you a uh, Harry Potter fan? I read the first book and watched the third film. Does that make me a fan? <laughs> yeah, yes. you watched the Alfonso Cuaron film? Yes. I'm curious, did you ever watch any of the movies with Mikey on YouTube? No. No. Boo! Ken, I want you to watch the one about Harry Potter, uh, The Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, really? A lot of fans of the books hate that movie because it's so different than the book that they change too much. But I think it's the best movie. And he makes, uh, Mikey makes the case that actually the films, uh, they took it over. Remember, Christopher Columbus did the first two. Then he realized, my my God, I can't do all these films. I'll never have a life again. I'll never see my children. So he had to step down. And they got Alfonso on to do the third one and he brought in so much imagination and visuals the movie all of a sudden looked mm-hmm. real it wasn't on sound stages anymore and that kind of gave the whole uh franchise the cue to like okay we don't have to do it on sound stages and uh, they kind of it opened their imagination to do more not just follow the books exactly so it's yeah and i think the the nerd writer had a video along those lines just kind of looking at the prisoner of azkaban as an opening up of the the world and and a kind of just just elevating it yeah and that's what i think a lot of people who are just fans of the book they fail to recognize that this is a movie it's not the book and you gotta 
it's got to be visually interesting. Come on, you know. Some liberties have to be taken, and we'll know that eventually. Did you guys see that the Dark Tower trailer got leaked without yeah. effects? I didn't get to see it. Did you? Yes. You did see it. Yes. What did you think of it? From it, first of all, it's not finished. There were no, missing no. effects. Your first impression was good or bad? Just say that. Uh, just mixed. I mean, it was neither good nor bad because, like you said, it's it's incomplete, so it really made no sense. It did a, a disservice to watch it unfinished, right. right? I know Bill, he didn't think good thoughts, but, uh, I, you know, when I, I'd rather, if you'd give me a choice, hey, you want to watch this unfinished now, Jason, or watch the finished one? And be I got, like, I'll I got, watch it finished. I got tempted, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, especially because I, I saw Bill's remarks, so I watched. Yeah, and when I I, I actually <laughs> I clicked like, on it, but it was gone, so I had no choice. Uh, but guys, well, it's... Well, well, let me ask, connecting that to the Harry Potter story, are you looking for something that will be the book with Dark Tower, or are you willing to just kind of like take put the books aside and, and just take Dark Tower, the movie, as it is, or whatever it is? All I'm looking for is to watch it and get excited. Having, having I'm read trying all... not to overthink it. I'm trying to just visually, like, will it stimulate me visually? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, I have some reservations because I've read all the books. Oh, here and, we go. <laughs> and it's, it's stuff I can't talk to Jason about because he hasn't finished reading the books. I just don't want to watch the and trailer, the, Ken, and go, oh, no. Th- there's only one reason, and I can't say why. I know. You've said it before. Um, in front of Jason. <laughs> so, yeah, I I would like to go, oh, well, that's a cool way to go with it. You know what I mean? I'd, it's better than... You know how we tend to imagine things much better than they actually turn out, in a way? Right. Yeah, that happens all the time, I think, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, I'm just hoping it's something that I'm going to be intrigued by and not be like, oh, See, no. I, I always yeah. picture... You know, they showed Jake, and Jake's too old in my head. Right. Or he's too young in my head to be this older one in the movie version. Right. Little liberties like that, that'll tend to make you insane. It, um, and I'm not trying to let it bother me, but it's just like... When when you're a fan of a book and you see the movie based on the book, you bring in a big load of baggage with you. Well, the innocence of Jake in the book... You've lost a little bit of that innocence the older you get. Yeah. So. It's going to bother you. I have a feel. I'm going to. We're going to be watching the Dark Tower in the theater, and Steven's just going to be moving in his seat, <laughs> fidgeting a lot. And I'm going to be like, uh, he's not enjoying himself over there. But yeah, there should be a little a, a little circle with a face on it saying, okay, fans <laughs> of the book, you know, stop, you know, so, frowny face, watch, frowny face. I want to watch the Dark frowny Tower w- with Steven's face in the corner and be like, ooh, he doesn't look happy at all. <laughs> but, I mean, I, with the oh, taking ahead. liberties of the movie from the book, I don't have a problem, you know, if, if, they were, if they're jumping between two or three, four books, whatever, that's fine. That's not the the biggest killing point for me of it, you know. Right. It's it, going to be a pretty shaky ground. We'll see what happens, you know. Uh, it's, you- it's interesting that it's come that it's happening now, and it's not happening back when the books were still in progress. Because now 
there are just it's just the story just spreads over so many other books. I, I was I just read recently Black House, the mm-hmm. the sequel to The Talisman. Yes, and and that's tied into the Dark Tower universe. I'm like, so they can conceivably go there if they wanted, right? Right. They could go through to Salem's Lot because that ties into the tower. There's some stand in there. Uh, the stand because Captain Trips when they go through Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I mean, it could go to a lot of different places. Yeah, that's the thing. Will they take advantage well, and, of all and those? Black, Randall Flag is in the stand, so right. Okay, now I'm going to do my story. Uh, you guys know that they're making a new Harry Potter series, but it's called Fantastic Beasts, right? Well, they've recently announced instead of a trilogy now, they're going to make five movies. Okay? Okay. They need a new um, series to uh, make qu- some... Quintilogy? Cast. Is that what it's called? A <laughs> yeah, quintilogy? A, a quintology, yes. But it sounds like a major Harry Potter character may appear in Fantastic Beasts, guys. Set decades before the events of the Harry Potter books, you'd think it'd be hard for Fantastic Beasts to have many links to its parent series. Referencing the wider world of wizarding... Whatever. (laughs) Wider wizarding world of Harry Potter. It seems at least one Harry Potter character will be making an appearance in the movie... Speaking at yesterday's global fan event for Fantastic Beasts, J.K. Rowling and director David Yates, that's right, David Yates, who directed the last how many of them, discussed the film's connection to Harry Potter. Rowling um, first mentioned that the film does discuss events going on in Europe at the time of Fantastic Beasts, delving into the relationship between Dumbledore and Gellert Grinwald. First covered in Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. In, in the novels, Grinwald, a powerful dark wizard, and Dumbledore were close friends and even planned to lead a revolution that would, would have exposed wizards and wishes to the muggle world until a duel between Grinwald and Dumbledore and his brother Ab- Aberforth saw their friendship fall apart. <laughs> Yeah, so people who are fans of those books know what I'm talking about. I, on the other hand, have no idea what I'm talking about. So. That's going to be a cash you cow. You didn't me. watch Cindy Lauper enough on the show. <laughs> what? <laughs> when they were doing the Wizarding World oh. on Disney, she uh, was trying to explain it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Muggles and wizards. Muggles and wizards. Muggles and wizards. Okay, uh, so what? What? What market research just just led to that? Like crisscrossing of uh, of of these crossovers from from that to that you know i I just picture this board meeting with someone frantically drawing on a whiteboard all the here are the harry Harry potter books here's the new quintology and we're going to take this and draw a line from this to this installment of part four of this and we'll we'll split this into three parts and well it's like it's very successful whenever those books come out like they did the the script of the friggin Play. play sold like gangbusters they're like we gotta capitalize on this we got to so uh also they've developed the american <clears throat> side you know in the americas the wizards and stuff and they're developing that uh, you know i'm kind of speaking loosely because i just kind of catch it uh just in passing but i'm not that interested in it but not a full-blown warners is finding ways to capitalize on all this stuff so it won't be going away anytime soon Scarlett well, Johansson says, "Oh, sorry." First crumbles. They'll have Harry Potter. So, 
Yeah. Scarlett Johansson says a solo Black Widow movie prequel is a possibility. Keep in mind that, uh, <laughs> you know, when you go to events and you're Nothing's there for something else about and director. they stick a microphone in your face and they go, what about a Black Widow movie? Uh, yeah, it's a possibility. Oh, my God. And send. Scarlett Johansson has played Natasha Romanoff in five Marvel films. Five! And she still hasn't gotten her own Black Widow solo movie. It's kind of crazy, especially fans who have been clamoring for a female superhero to get their own film for ages. Just this summer, a new poll found that audiences want a Black Widow movie over any Avengers character. Kevin Feige recently ignited... So, you know, they go by polls, right? That's how Marvel... Yeah. <laughs> it's all yeah. executives. That's how they pick a movie. Kevin Feige recently ignited some hope, saying Marvel is committing to giving the superhero her own movie. The Russo brothers <laughs> called it a no-brainer. And Joss Whedon is down to direct it. Now, Johan- <laughs> well, that Joss Whedon is down to direct it. Another thing, he was at it for a different event. Right. And somebody said, would you ever do- direct a uh, Black Widow movie? Sure. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and He's sins. down to direct it. <laughs> In an interview with Variety for the trade's power of women issue, Johansson said that a possible standalone film, I would like for it to happen under the right circumstances. It would have to fit in the idea of where they want to go. I'm invested in that character. Marvel is greatly invested in that character. If I did it, I'd have to do it while I actually still wanted to wear a skin-tight cat suit. I don't know how much longer that's going to be. So that's the end of the quote, and it's a story. <laughs> it's a possibility. It's, it's a possibility. But also, well, I got from that that she's going to get pregnant and won't be able to wear a cat suit. <laughs> well, while while Kevin Feige was there, they asked him, "What kind of story will Captain Marvel be?" Which we already know stars Brie Larson, and he says this: the Captain Marvel movie that the stu- first we got to recap everything. The Captain Marvel movie that the studio has been planning since 2014 is finally gaining ground with the recent casting of Brie Larson. And will be Marvel's first female-led superhero film in the Iron Man MCU era. That's why do you need all these words here? Uh, let's just cut to what he says. Uh, with the advent of Doctor Strange in November, the MCU's back to introducing new characters to the franchise by giving them their own films. While speaking after that super cool Doctor Strange sneak peek, he answered a question about how Stephen Strange's origin compares to those of Iron Man and Thor. At the end of his reply, he snuck in some Captain Marvel news. Sorry. Is that your phone in a public place, Ken? No, you're at home. I, think- I know. No, that was a phone from across the street. <laughs> <laughs> I think Benedict is one of those ways. Benedict is an amazing actor and totally different than Hemsworth and totally different from Downey. And we want to stay true to who he is in the books. The meta what the metamorphosis of what he goes through is more drastic than Tony, and that was fun to chart. I guess Panther isn't really an origin story since we saw him already in Civil War, but his standalone certainly introduces you to ninety nine percent of his world, and Captain Marvel is certainly an origin story from the start. That's all he said, and then boom, we get this. Kevin Feige confirms Captain Marvel is an origin story. <laughs> <laughs> That's how stories are created. I want to create like an onion version of these sites with all the movie news, just based on a tiny little quote. 
I'm curious, Ken, do you have Netflix in Japan? Oh, yes. Do you have your American version of Netflix or the a Japanese version? Uh, both. Oh, that's cool. So you can log in using your uh, American login and stuff, right? Right. And then, uh, and then I can just switch over to the Japan one. That's cool. Now, have you watched yeah. any of the the Marvels series on Netflix? I'm curious if you've been interested in that at all. No, but I've been pushed into into checking out. Um, and, and I'm sorry, and for, forgive me if these are not Marvel. <laughs> the Flash. Okay. Daredevil. Daredevil is Marvel. Okay, yeah, those two. I've been I've, people have been screaming at me to watch those. And okay. they're in my queue, but I'm, right now I'm in the middle of Breaking Bad and The Americans, and uh, I just have to finish those first. Okay, I just want to say this. If you're going from Breaking Bad to The Flash, that might be a little jarring. I would say go from Breaking Bad to Daredevil first, okay? Okay. Because it's show ran in the first season by the same guy who did Spartacus. Not that Daredevil's anything like Spartacus, but I'm telling you, it's a different quality than The Flash. The Flash, I love that show. I watch it every week, but it's lighter fare. Daredevil is heavier fare, darker stories, etc. So I think I would go from Breaking Bad to Daredevil and go to The Flash later on. Yeah. Oh, by the way, so I, I wanted to check out what you guys had had said about Breaking Bad on the podcast, um, just out of curiosity. Okay. And there was there was only one episode. I, I don't remember which one it was, but it was it was of course years ago, right? And and you you spent one episode talking about it for about five minutes, <laughs> and that was it. Isn't that <laughs> so disappointing? Never- yeah. I mean, I never really got a sense of what you thought of that show. Basically, what I remember for years, uh, uh, it might have been shorter than years, but I remember Ross kept telling me, dude, you got to watch Breaking Bad. It's like the greatest show ever. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I, I've heard that. And my dad finally watched it. And he goes, you got to watch Breaking Bad. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, finally, I sat down and watched Breaking Bad. They had all the season ex- except the last season, the second half of the last season on Netflix. And I sat down and binge watched it and I thought it's, it's up there. It's top tier. It's one of the greatest TV shows ever made. The pacing, the writing, everything is just excellent. The acting, I, there's a, like a shelf, uh, a, uh, pretend shelf in my, uh, brain. Okay. And it's got levels of TV shows on it on that top shelf is The Wire and Breaking Bad. And those are the only two shows up on that top shelf. Just to give you an idea of how much I enjoy Breaking Bad. There's no show that made me... uh, I couldn't imagine watching the show week to week, first of all. The cliffhangers that they had in that show. But it blew me away. Everything about it. The the, the, the directing, the editing, the music, the uh, acting, the, the writing is just fantastic. Everything about it is excellent. Yeah, we, we are getting so involved in it emotionally that we're almost afraid to watch more because we know it's going to just break our hearts. It 
will not do you wrong. Just keep watching. Just strap into the roller coaster and keep watching. And I'm curious if you've seen The Wire. I saw the first three seasons. I think uh, the last one, I, the last season I saw was when the when the rookie had to start teaching uh, high school. Right. Um, I think so was that season three or four. I'm gonna say it's season two is about the docks. Season right. three. And then, and then there was one where they just did an experiment where they just said, okay, we'll have a zone where drugs are completely that's you know, legal. Season, that's season four. Yeah, where they that's make four? drugs legal okay. in a neighborhood. Yeah. So that's, that was the last one I saw, season four. Okay. That's interesting. I'm curious to what you would think of season five. You definitely need to watch that. Finish it up. <laughs> but there's that show, the The Wire, I just... Uh, words can't explain it after you watch it. It's just when you when you watch an episode of The Wire and then you watch a regular cop show on like one of the main networks, like Law and Order. It's just like, oh god, give me a break. You know, well, like I can't like, watch this. I never watched The Wire, right? Uh, but I did watch Shield. Is mm-hmm. it on that kind of? Uh, the I've, first couple of seasons were fine, and then it kind of got ridiculous. I didn't really watch The Shield, so I'm not sure. My dad has said that The Shield's really good. Michael Chiklis is great, but mm-hmm. it's hard to say. Yeah, I would, I would compare The Wire to Homicide, the NBC sh- series. That, yeah, Homicide Life uh, on the Streets. Yeah, That's where everyone is just so deeply flawed, you, you're amazed that anything can get done. I believe that's yeah. the same uh, writer. Oh yeah, David Simon was that him? Yeah, 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 yeah. I so think he's uh, yes, because it's also shot uh, made in Baltimore. So yeah, and oh, then mm-hmm. you know he did Treme after that, and I love that show. But that was totally different than The Wire, but it was very similar in a lot of ways too. But that's cool. Sorry that I failed you on the Breaking Bad stuff. Like I, I kind of jumped on at the end, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we didn't cover it. Oh, that's okay. I just, out of curiosity, I wanted to, ch- but you did have like a, the opening of the show, you had, you played a clip where, um, Jesse's taking his friends to his new house <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and showing off his, uh, like here's, here's going to be the television and here's going to be this. And you, it was just really funny just hearing the dialogue from that scene. Yeah. When he's like, uh, yo man, you got to get a plasma. No man, they burn <laughs> in yo. And he goes, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> LCDs, they don't do blacks as deep as plasma. <laughs> it's like they're do- they're doing this technical jargon that's so funny. And then, of course, uh, I what season are you on right now, Breaking Bad? Uh, we finished season three, so oh, excellent. Okay, yeah. I'll so I won't say no anything more. about the plot, but yeah, and but we love Saul. We, we'll probably go check out Better Call Saul because we love we love that guy. Yeah, yeah. That's what's great when Breaking Bad is wrapped up. Just start right into Better Call Saul. It's like a, a special bonus, like, oh, there's more of something, you know, of that world. Guys, Sigourney Weaver is going to play the main villain in Netflix's Defenders. Now, if you don't know who the Defenders are, I'm sure this story will tell us. Uh, Marvel's, the first couple sentences. <laughs> Marvel's head of TV, Jeff Loeb, announced today that Sigourney Weaver will be playing the main villain in the Defenders series. Is she, like, going to fight him, or is she just, like, a powerful woman? I don't know. The actress is best known for her work in the Alien franchise. Really? Who did she play in that? 
And she was also in Ghostbusters. This marks <laughs> Weaver's first time work. Those are the only movies she's ever been in. This marks Weaver's first time working within the Marvel Universe. Loeb didn't say who Weaver would be playing. It would probably just be a name we wouldn't recognize. But there's still some time before the series premieres on Netflix. Iron Fist and The Punisher are both set to premiere next year, with The Defenders possibly being pushed back to 2018. Earlier this summer, Netflix said it didn't want to have three Marvel series on in one year in an attempt to space out the line of superhero programming. What does it matter? Put it all out in the same day. I don't care. Along with the Sigourney Weaver announcement, Job, Job, I mean Loeb, used his time on stage to debut the first official teaser trailer for Iron Fist. So they didn't tell you what the Defenders are. It's Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist as a team kicking butt, basically. So Sigourney Weaver will be playing the bad guy in that. It, it's interesting how they sell her as as alien and Ghostbusters. And they, they no longer refer to her as like a, a wasn't she a three-time Academy Award nominee? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But that was so long ago. I guess that's not that just doesn't pack a punch anymore. You it's know, like gorillas like, in the mist. Really, it's kind of <laughs> like like when I'm doing this show, I realize you know it's like all he talks about is Marvel and DC stuff. It's because that's all the news is every day. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's uh, the news is Star Wars, Harry Potter, Potter, Marvel, and DC. That's all the news <laughs> entertainment news is every day. For instance, Star Wars fans are petitioning for an Old Republic Netflix series. This this will probably work, right, guys, when you petition somebody? Six years after Lucasfilm shelved plans for a Star Wars series called Underworld, fans are still holding out hope for a live-action television series set in where, Stephen? Where do you think it's going to... Where is this live-action Star Wars series set in? Come on, cliched writer... It's set in a galaxy far, oh. far away. Ah, sorry. I'm not trying to think of a place. It's like this is so funny. A petition on Change.org urges Disney and Lucasfilm to develop a Netflix series based on Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic, the popular video game franchise set a thousand years before the Galactic Empire. <laughs> Uh, it has that, garnered more than. I think, I think that is the. I think that is one of the best uh, story. I, 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 I love that game. That they should do that. It I, is I'm, a I'm cool off, idea. I'm down with that. It is a cool idea. I just think it's funny that they're making a story out of people fan petitioning. Like that'll do any good, but. The Knights of the Republic series of games, as well as the MMORPG, The Old Republic, serve as the main vehicles to tell stories of characters such as Darth Revan and Darth Malgus. And the list goes on. The popularity of this era... (laughs) The list goes on and on. The popularity of this era in Star Wars history is felt throughout the fan base, and I feel it would do a massive disservice to us if these stories weren't told. Oh, this is part of the uh, (laughs) petition. Petition. Citing Narcos, House of Cards, and Marvel dramas, the petition states Netflix can serve as a platform to tell these stories as they were meant to be portrayed. Dark, foreboding, and a touch on the mature side. Well, he is right about that. I've been watching Luke Cage, and the Marvel series on Netflix are so awesome. They're so well done, and it's, it is a... What I love about Netflix, not just the Marvel series, but like Orange is the New Black or whatever, they don't have to tell stories with a commercial break. 
they don't have to have these kind of false chapter endings to butt up against a commercial break. Instead, one episode can be a chapter of a book, you know, like, for instance, Stranger Things, you know, Ken, I love the, the voicemail you sent about that. Each episode can be a chapter in the the long the the story over the season, and I think that's such a cool way to tell a story. And that's what excites me about Netflix that they can do that, and you're not stuck airing commercials. But they do they do make the shows with these built in um, like Act One, Act Two, and the right. episodes always have to be like 50 minutes long because they do show them on television in other countries. Ah, so they, so they build in these breaks, like in the, you, you sense these things, like uh, okay, this is where a commercial would go, because um, they do they do license them to for television in, in other countries, so they yeah, play I with commercials in other countries. Yeah, I don't sense that as much because I think because I do watch a lot of episodic television, I'm used to those breaks. It's very subtle in the Netflix shows. It's very blatant. Yeah. Say in a show that I love called Chuck. I can see where all the commercials breaks are in that show, watching it on Netflix, because, it, you know, the music even winds up like, and then it cuts off and it's like, well, there's the commercial break. You know, they do these kind of chapter breaks like that. But here's some interesting news. If you don't have Netflix and you never have and you're never planning on it, Daredevil season one is actually coming to Blu-ray in November. Netflix doesn't make a regular habit of Blu-ray releases for its original programs, especially as fans of certain series likely already have streaming access. Nonetheless, the ubiquitous popularity of Daredevil has earned, sorry, gas bubble, has earned season one an official Blu-ray release for November. Ken, if I was in a public restaurant in Japan and I burped out loud on accident, would everyone go, (gasps) or would they just stay quiet and dial the police to come and pick me up? All, all, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> According to the press release, Marvel's Daredevil, the complete first season, will arrive on Blu-ray November 8th, including all 13 episodes. Don't get your hopes up for an overabundance of special features, though. However, the $39.99 release only appears to contain the episodes of themselves, at least for now. Come on, we got to have some commentaries on there, right? Ken, do you watch commentaries much? I do if they're if they're good. I mean, I mean, I can't stand those commentaries where people just say, "Oh, it was so wonderful working with this." You know, it's just marketing. It's it's a marketing feature, basically. Right. And, uh, I like when they have something to say. Sometimes they're yeah, having a good. That's, that's one reason why this new service, Filmstruck, that you talked about last week, right, will be really cool because they're gonna they're gonna have all those commentaries for the oh. criterions like available. I do admit, though, I loved in the early DVD days those Kevin Smith commentaries where you'd have like <laughs> him and uh, five guys, him and Jay and Ben Affleck. I had a great time watching those. The Mallrats one was great because it had oh picture God. in picture. Yeah, the Mallrats one was so funny, like because they kept they kept making fun of Ben Affleck, and then <laughs> and he would be arguing with them. Like there'd be a scene where he's bullying somebody, and Ben Affleck would be like, "See you guys, I'm trying to bring some realism into this movie." And yeah. It, it's just... <laughs> Yeah, I love those. And the Chasing Amy one, the Dogma one, those are all fun. It was kind of like the early form of podcast before there was podcasting. Just a group of guys sitting around talking about the movie they made or something. 
and, and they and they make movies better. Like, did you ever listen to the one for Cannibal the Musical with no. Trey Parker and Matt Stone? No. Oh my god! You must you must get Cannibal the Musical DVD and and play that commentary because it's 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 Trey and Matt and then, and then the other guys making the movie and they get they get drunk and they just go off on everything that's happening. They make fun of the movie. They make they they talk about like. You know, Trey Parker made this movie as revenge against his ex-girlfriend who's in the movie. And so he's, talk- he's talking about his relationship with her and how oh, it fell wow. apart and how now he's a rich man and she's and she's seeing some manager at a at a at a, at a restaurant or something. And it's, it's <laughs> I just have, watch. have you seen that movie, Stephen? Uh-uh. We Stephen and I should sit and watch that. And the movie's not bad, but it's not good. But the commentary <laughs> makes it hilarious. Ken, have you ever seen the movie Bad Ronald by any chance? I'm just throwing that out there. No, no, I haven't. I'd like for you to see Bad Ronald. It's a, I think it was a made-for-TV movie. I'm not sure. Dabney Coleman's in it. He's like the only main star. But I've talked about it a long time ago on the show, but it's about a boy he's picked on, right? He's bullied, and he tries to go to a pool party with the cool kids, and the jock douche kind of kicks him out. And as he's walking home, the jock guy's younger sister is picking on him. You're a will be weirdo. And he's like, I'm not weird. And he shoves her and she hits her head on a brick. And he's like, oh, no, are you okay? And he's like, oh, my God, she's dead. So he buries her in like a lot somewhere because he's afraid he killed her. So he goes home and he tells his mom what happened. And she's like, well, oh, my God, we got to call an ambulance. So he goes, no, we can't. I already buried her. She's like, oh, my God. Well, they're going to come for you. They can't take my son away. I know. Here, you're going to live in the bathroom. And she pretty much, like, drywalls the door over where you can't see there was a bathroom there. And he lives in the bathroom. The police come by. They're searching. He, they think he's run away. So they got away with it, right? Ronald just lives in that secret room. Well, his mom... St- He stocks him up with food and says, I have to have my surgery. I'll be back in three or four days. And he's like, okay, mom, I'll be fine. So she leaves. She never comes back because she dies. (laughs) God. A family moves in and Ronald's still there in the walls, basically. (laughs) And that's what the movie's about. You got to see this. It sounds like something like Bobcat Goldthwait. And and John Waters would put together like a <laughs> collaboration. But here's the thing: what was weird about the movie is I remember watching it late one night on like you know after all regular programming's over, and I was just like, "What is this movie?" And I watch it, and I'm like, "That was so weird." And I swear, like I was telling my best friend Ray, he was like, "There is this movie. It's called Bad Ron, where the guy lives in the walls." And then I'm flipping channels, like, "Oh my god, it's on right now! It's on right now!" And we'd sit and we'd watch it. And I swear it happened multiple times where I'd be telling somebody about Bad Ronald and it would be on and we'd end up watching it right then. It just kind of comes on when you talk about it. So it might be on right now somewhere. It's it's somehow it's, it's seeped into the culture. It's just it's just everywhere at once. <laughs> <laughs> I just clicked on this story. I only have two stories left, but I clicked on this story because I'm curious about it. It says Jeopardy's Alex Trebek delivers sick burn to loser contestant. 
And I was like, well, that doesn't sound very nice. Let me read this. During Wednesday's episode of Jeopardy, contestant Susan Cole explained her passion for nerdcore hip-hop, which involves rapping about video games, science fiction, and naturally having a hard time meeting romantic partners. But the game show's once mustachioed host, once mustachioed, (laughs) he shaved his mustache, so no, he's once mustachioed, felt he had a more appropriate word to describe this particular group of performers. And let's watch the video and see what he says, okay? All right. It's something I've never heard of, but it doesn't sound like fun. I think it's very fun. It's called nerdcore hip hop. It's nerdcore hip hop. Yes. Um, it's uh, people who identify as nerdy, rapping about the things they love, video games, science fiction, having a hard time meeting romantic partners. You know, <laughs> it's really catchy and fun. Losers, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, losers! In other words, okay, was was he being a dick there? Yes. <laughs> she just said that she loves this. And he said losers, so he just called her a loser. <laughs> what do you think of that, Ken? I I didn't hear that last part actually. Oh, the basically, audio, I couldn't hear it. Oh, I'm sorry. Basically, he said losers. In other words, she says you know it's for people who. You know, we're into video games and hip hop, and they can't find dates. And he says, "Losers." Well, well, did she win? I have no idea. <laughs> that was just that was. It was the just him story. picking on the woman. That's all the story was. Was he being a dick? I would have used my Final Jeopardy thing to write something nasty on the on the screen. <laughs> Ken, are you a fan of The Walking Dead? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> no, I like the Walking Dead video game. Um, oh, and Telltale? I watched a few episodes because I had to for my job, but no. Interesting. I'd be. I'd love to know what you think of it. Now, I, let me ask you: Do I like the Walking Dead? I don't think you do, Jason. <laughs> I I went from watching it to giving up on it, and finally, it's just I can't take it anymore. You kind of liked the first season. I, I I tried to. I hung in there for a while, but I would usually turn it off and kind of like ugh. And I think it doesn't help that there's the Talking Dead afterwards, where they're like, "Okay, let's discuss this episode in detail, like it's very important." Oh, no, tell me about your performance this week. What do you think your character is going through? And they're adding this air of importance to a very poorly written show and that's what drives me nuts about it you know and for me for me like the 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 night of the living dead is one of my top three horror movies of all time like that is just and dawn of the dead i mean it doesn't get any better than that it can't get any better than that still gives me the creeps yeah so anything that even tries to 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 bring that back is going to fail on some level. You know? Right. So so as a concept, it's not going to work for, for me, I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Well, this final story is AMC to air every single episode of The Walking Dead ahead of Season 7. That's right. The Walking Dead is, without a question, the biggest show on television right now. 
Every week, the show pulls upward of 15 million viewers, and that doesn't account for people watching it through iTunes, over-the-top services, or those watching it illegally. As the show gets ready to enter its seventh season, AMC is trying to make it a little easier for those who want to get caught up, but may have felt intimidated by how far in the series has already gotten. Do they not know that every season's on Netflix, and they could just watch it that way? (laughs) Today, the network announced that it would be running a Walking Dead marathon of sorts as part of its annual Fear Fest programming block. Uh, we're talking countless commercial breaks, Stephen. The other day, yeah. Halloween was on AMC. I'm not kidding. And I was like, oh, Halloween. I'll sit here and watch this. There were so many commercial breaks I gave up. I was like, oh, what am I thinking? You can't watch a movie on regular television with commercials. It's so annoying. And so anyway, they don't design a movie with built in commercial breaks. No, they don't. Uh, Oh, God, it was so aggravating. So anyway, there's going to be a Walking Dead. I have a a friend, actually, who's very into the show. And and when the the last season climax happened or the end of that episode, he was very upset. Like he was and he was texting me all night like, I can't believe that happened. And, you know, he's. He's, and he's just counting down the days. I mean, he's, he can't <laughs> wait to see who dies, can he? Well, from what I hear, you're not going to find that out either. Like They're going to keep it as much of a secret as possible or something. I'm, I'm I don't not know. kidding, Ken. I saw the headline today, and I couldn't read it because it annoyed me so much. We could find out that he possibly killed two cast members, not one. Right. Who could the two be? And I'm like, oh, my God, just stop. Well, it's like everybody's like, well, you could tell from the camera angle behind here. <laughs> they didn't that even it was know actually when they filmed that episode. They didn't know who died. They hadn't written it yet. Yeah. And then there was the story that they filmed every single cast member dying, so it wouldn't leak out who actually died. It's like I don't think you guys know yet. <laughs> <laughs> who gets paid most on the show? Let's kill him off. That's what we'll do. Uh-huh. Yeah, you want to get rid of all your female audience, you kill off Daryl. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that is the, my final news story. And uh, Corey Feldman pre- uh, <laughs> performed for a second time on the Today Show. And I thought we should check it out. Do you want to see this, Ken, or hear this? Is this is this his, his attempt at, a, at, at reconciliation? Yes, I think so. It says, Corey Feldman returns to Today to take a stand. There are some appearances on Today that slip the boundary, the bounds of an ordinary visit. Corey Feldman's September visit in which he performed the single Go For It was wild and out of bounds. So we just had to have him back. And he was back on Thursday with a triumphant return to form, performing his new song, Take a Stand. He said, we're doing something new that hasn't been done before. Oh, that's pretty, like, uh, uh, it's not much. Terrible's been done before. It's all about innovation and being an artist, and we can't be afraid to share our art. This song is for America. All right, we got to hear this. Hopefully the video plays. Corey's comeback. Go ahead, Corey. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Can you hear this, Ken? Wait, he's not doing anything yet. Now I can't hear it. You can't hear it? Now I can hear it. 
goofy dancing again, Steven. Staring out the window, caught inside a dream. No, I can't hear it. Ignorance oh, is old, feeling quite serene. Cause I choose to ignore. It might be a blessing that you can hear it. <laughs> mean it's not happening. Just means I turned it off. I can't stop all the pain of the lives that are being lost. And I pray to refrain from winning. Okay, it's terrible, right, Stephen? Yes. <laughs> yes, it's terrible. You're not missing anything, Ken. The well, I, 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 I'm reading like a, a verbal description of it, and it says something about he dropped a miniature American flag to a filth-covered floor. He was actually he waved it in like a patriotic way, but as he was singing, he drops it. I mean, it's it wasn't done the, in a malicious way. I don't think. Oh God, people are so hung up on the flag. <laughs> but the way he, you know. When he's looking, <laughs> he puts his hand up like he's looking, you know, when he's, he's singing these he's lyrics. Literally, he's being literal to whatever he's singing about. That's It's funny. like, that's what a child does, you know, when they're singing something, you know, it's, they're acting out the, it's not charades. Sing your damn song. Springtime flowers bloom. Oh, God, now I can hear it. <laughs> so there's, a, can hear there's a quote you. here. He told People Magazine. Uh, when when I was on stage, my brain reverted to my choreography, which was to throw my hands up in the air with a peace sign. So he's working on instinct. Oh wow! Uh, he was overtaken by his art. Basically, that happens. Yeah. That happens while I'm podcasting. That happens frequently. I'm yeah, overtaken I, I, by the art. This That's... is a time I didn't watch all of it. I stopped it. <laughs> yeah, just like I did. I was like, everything in my I body was saying... I a little further than you because they said something about the flag, so I had to watch up to the to the flag bit. I, 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 had, to, I had to bail out. I had to pull the chute and get out of there, basically. But that is all of our stories this week, guys. And we end on a sour note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say this. Okay, Rotten Tomatoes. I could read Rotten Tomatoes, guys. You want to do that before we get out of here? Let's read Rotten sure. Tomatoes. Sure. The Accountant has come out. This new film starring Ben Affleck, where he's a, uh, I believe he's has Asperger's or something. I don't know. Yes. Christian Wolf is a math savant with more affinity <laughs> for numbers than people. Behind the cover of a small town CPA office, he works as a freelance accountant for some of the world's most dangerous criminal organizations. With the Treasury Department's Crime Enforcement Division, run by Ray King, J.K. Simmons, starting to close in, Christian takes on a legitimate client, a state-of-the-art robotics company, where an accountant clerk, Anna Kendrick, has discovered a discrepancy involving millions of dollars. But as Christian uncooks the books and gets closer to the truth... It is the body count that starts to rise. Oh, wow. Or inflate. <laughs> so, yeah. I think we're going to go see this tomorrow, Stephen. Let the bodies hit the floor. That's right. So he's basically... He's an, he's an, he's an, he's an idiot savant, but without the savant part. He's a, he, yeah, he's an idiot savant that also can fight and shoot guns. So that's like the best kind of savant to be, right? Mm-hmm. 
So it's kind of like Simon Birch, only instead of he's a little guy, he's Ben Affleck. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) He's a Simon Simon Birch, but he's he's a little guy. He's he's a little guy in a big guy's body. Yeah. (laughs) Bottle goofy kid with problems. So we're going to go see this. But first, let's see what James Bernadelli of Real View said about the film. He said, a movie that could easily have been familiar, disposable entertainment, but is made with sufficient competence and energy to capture the viewer's attention and linger a little after the credits have rolled. So we're going to be sitting in our chairs after the credits going. It'll be lingering on Jay- us. Jason, are you ready to go? No, no, no. no. Just wait a second. I'm still thinking about still this. Still lingering. Sir, we're cleaning oh, up. Oh, no, 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 no. Wow, wow. That was sufficiently competent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sufficient competence. Okay, Peter Rayner of the Christian Science Monitor says, This probably sounded like a surefire idea for a franchise, but there are so many plot twists that the narrative comes to resemble a Mobius strip. That, w- <laughs> that wouldn't be so bad if at least the twist made a modicum of sense. Wow. Okay. Let's see what... Anne Lee Ellingson said of Ellie Biz, there's so much exposition that we pause near the climax for a bunch of dialogue, dialogue just to get through it. What? <laughs> it's just like that <laughs> thought, and that's it. That's Let's like see. a random like thought bubble. Like, yeah, yeah. Not, it's like it's not connected to any other idea. <laughs> Let's see what Jim Judy of Screed It says. I found the offering far better and more engaging than I was anticipating, with solid work from all involved. Okay. <laughs> Rolling Stones guy. Quick and to the point. Oh, I haven't found it. Great, yeah, all involved. Great catering on that movie. <laughs> Here's what Todd Jorgensen the, says. The actors look so happy from being well-fed. <laughs> it doesn't Sorry. offer much of a return, regardless of the offbeat potential of its premise. End of thought. Okay. <laughs> Bill Newcott says he's of AARP movies for grownups. The role calls for an actor who can summon affability and pietis, pietis, how do I say this word, Stephen? Pietousness. Pietousness. But burnish them with a, okay. The role calls for an actor who can summon affability and pietousness, but burnish them with a scary edge and Affleck lets all three qualities hum quietly just beneath the surface throughout the film. Oh, I'm so glad I read that. What happened? I, I thought Rotten Tomatoes had, I didn't used to have like a genius way of, of boiling down reviews to just the perfect sentence. And it would usually involve like the title of the movie. Like, like someone would say the accountant should account for itself or something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, David Edelstein of New York Magazine says, The accountant is laughable, but when you're not laughing at it, you're laughing with it. It's enjoyable enough. End of, end of quote. Uh, it's enjoyable enough, guys. Le- oh, wait, my favorite, Leonard Malton. Director Gavin O'Connor handles all of this efficiently, but the protracted screenplay and unlikely story twists do him no favors. We're left with a cluttered, unsatisfying mess. I give it five stars. It was pretty good. What? Christy Puchko of Comic Book Resources says, 
Ben Affleck is back with yet another superhero story. Astonishingly, his worst yet. Oh, wow. Okay. That's not good, Steven. His worst yet, dot, dot, dot. So I there should be another, another like, statement, right? <laughs> yeah. Norman Wilner says... You know who Norman Wilner is, right, Steven? Not, not the Norman Wilmer. Yeah, it is. That's him. It's a very silly movie that takes itself absolutely seriously. And that's sort of the problem. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Laura Clifford of Reeling Review says, An adult popcorn thriller that gets more mileage out of its hero's affliction than its last twist. But that's not a bad thing. Here, character trumps plot. Oh, why did you have to bring Trump into it? Come on. Haven't we heard enough of that? Oh, jeez. Jeffrey Lyles of Lyles Movie Files. <laughs> you remember this guy? Him. A that wonderfully guy. made thriller. <laughs> I love this guy. Jeffrey Lyles of Lyles Movie Files. A wonderfully made thriller that satisfies on every level. Every level, Stephen. And I'm betting it will prove even more enjoyable upon repeated viewings. Oh my god, this guy not only loved it on every level, he's going to watch it multiple times. It's a Mobius strip. <laughs> it's a Mobius strip. He's stuck in this movie. <laughs> oh my god, what was that? There was something Heather and I got hung up on the other day. Oh man, I can't remember. It's some kind of uh, uh, psychology reference about it's the box schrodinger's cat schrodinger's Schrodinger's, cat yeah no it's a yeah it's schrodinger's box but it's also schrodinger's cat i was trying to i was like okay i've always i've heard about this schrodinger's cat or schrodinger's box multiple times let me read what this is about and i read it multiple times and i was like okay wait wait hold on hold on okay and i got so like it was just so far over my head. Ken, can you explain it to me? <laughs> is it the like explaining quantum mechanics? It's okay. There's a cat in a box, but he's in there with yeah. a vial of poison and with right. a nuclear isotopes or something. Right, and there's there's a fifty percent chance that that the the capsule will dissolve and kill the cat. Right, and the box and the box is closed. So you don't know if the cat's alive or dead because it's 50%. The cat's alive, he's alive or dead. dead. And that whole time. idea of it could be this or that simultaneously is like, a, I guess, a principle of quantum mechanics. Which is it's either one or the other and you don't know. So no, it's, it's both. both. Yeah. yeah, it's both. It's, it's both simultaneously. It's that con- it, there's no real I mean, no one actually did this experiment. I mean, it's just an idea, right? Right. So it's like the the game Deal or No Deal with uh, Howie Mandel, is that basically Schrodinger's Cat, the game show? Because you don't know what money's in what case? When the case is closed, no. that's... It, it, well, if you have one case... Well, I know the money's not alive or dead. <laughs> no, 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 no. It'd be one case, and all the yeah. money's there, and it's not there at the same time. Right. Is there money in here, or is there not? And you would just never open the box. Right. right. Okay. But I just kept reading that. I was like, "No, what now?" <laughs> but anyway, Schrodinger's cat, guys. So the accountant is it a good movie or a bad movie? It's both it's, until we watch it. You want to know what's funny? Seriously, well, it's not a fifty percent. It's a fifty-two percent. <laughs> so it's both. It's good <laughs> and bad. 
Oh, and, wow. uh, and 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 Ben Affleck would ex- would be able to explain that I think better than we could because he's he's a genius in this movie, right? So. Right. I want to read one final review. This is by Sean P. Means from the Salt Lake Tribune. He says, "Action movies don't get weirder or more nonsensical than The Accountant, which straddles corporate chicanery and psychological thriller in the dumbest ways possible." There we go. How about that, Stephen? I'm You're excited. gonna run right out and see the okay. There, I saw a commercial to Max Steel, this superhero kids movie. It's currently zero percent rotten, zero fresh rating, eight rotten reviews, and it's based on like a kids thing, right? Uh, Frank Sheck says of the Hollywood Reporter, Sheck, hey Sheck, What's truly depressing about the whole enterprise is that Garcia and Bello were pulled into it. Those are two actors. Is Andy Garcia and Maria Bello? Yes, actors love to work and bills need to be paid, but perhaps a fund could be started to spare talented thespians this sort of career embarrassment. Oh, wow. Well, he's very concerned about them, isn't he? You could uh, just donate some money to him, I guess. While the proverbial 90s kids may get a nostalgic kick out of seeing their old action figures <laughs> in the flesh, novices are likely to be bored by a movie that feels more like a failed pilot for a TV show. I'm Noel Murray, and that is my review. Goodbye. Okay. Sounds cool. Now, I, I can't stand it when people use metaphors that can't that they never really understood. Like, he says, it's like a failed pilot to a TV show. You don't actually watch failed pilots to TV shows, right? So how do you know what a failed pilot to a TV show is like? It's, yeah, pilot, if you see it, that means it's been picked up, and it's a successful pilot. <laughs> yeah, it's like saying, oh, that felt like uh, someone hit me in the head with a hammer. Oh, you, so you know what that feels like? <laughs> yeah. So someone actually hit you in the head with a hammer, and now you're using that as a, you know. Reference so you'd point. say, I can imagine it's probably what it's like being hit in the head with a hammer. Instead of it's like being hit in the head with a hammer. Right, right. It's so funny. Like, yeah, it's like this. Oh, so you know what that's like? <laughs> Here's, okay, one final review. This is by Brian. Sorry. <laughs> Brian Orndorf. Brian Orndorf of Blu-ray.com says, Max Steele is drab, sloppy, and mismanaged throughout, unwilling to step forward as a slick actioner and enjoy itself. I give it a D+. Wow, it's passing. Yeah, deep. Yeah, that's 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 not bad. <laughs> uh, it looks like a new Godzilla film. Godzilla Resurgence comes out today. Eighty-one percent fresh. It's getting good reviews. What? Yeah, Godzilla is Resurgence. It, is, it, is it? Wait. So this is real? It's out now in the U.S. Yes, Godzilla Resurgence. Um. Let's see what it says. Who? Okay. Make way for the ultimate homage to one of the most... In- okay, first of all, is it homage, homage, or homage? Homage. What do you say, Ken? Could it be homage. all three or none? It's Schrodinger's homage? <laughs> uh, homage, I think, is correct, but it's, it, sounds, it sounds stupid to say it that way. Just, huh. <laughs> Make way for the ultimate homage to one of the most enduring legends of the big screen, Godzilla! 
the king of the monsters is back in Tokyo for a city-crushing crusade that speaks to the very roots of the world-renowned franchise. It's a peaceful day in Japan when a strange fountain of water erupts in the bay, causing panic to spread among government officials. At first, they suspect only volcanic activity, which is, you know, my first, you know, conclusion. But one young executive dares to wonder if it may be something different something alive his worst nightmare comes to life when a massive guild monster emerges from the deep and begins tearing through the city guild monster that's a spoiler oh man Uh, well here's what david ehrlich says of indiewire the king of monsters roars back to life in his weirdest movie to date and nothing else (laughs) Simon Abrams of RogerEbert.com says, Anno and Higuchi's vision of the characters is thoughtful and clever, without straying too far from the Godzilla formula established in films like the original 1954 Gojira. Okay, we've got to read a bad, like, hoity-toity review, don't we? Oh, here we go. Edward Douglas of New York Daily News says, Godzilla lumbers through Tokyo in a far less natural way than the days when an actor in a rubber suit stomped on models. Oh, okay. What? (laughs) I didn't like it at all. I'm taking my ball and going home. Oh, okay. He wanted wanted a more natural... he He wanted naturalism. Mark Schilling of Japan Times... Now, have you read Japan Times, Ken? Mark Schilling. Oh, yes. I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, I know who he is. He gives it a 2.5 out of 5. He says, Those rampages staged by effects veteran Shinji Higuchi and his team with co-director and sci-fi fantasy maestro Hideki Anno supervising are worth the wait. That That is the caption? And he gave it a 2.5 out of 5 rotten? Doesn't that sound like a compliment? He's, he, um... He had problems with the pace and the dialogue scenes, and he's he, it, yeah. He just basically said when the monsters are fighting, it's great, but most of the movie is not that. So you know, thumbs down. I'm a, here's he's another wrong. question. He's, he's wrong. <laughs> here's a question I have for you, Ken, because I'm just reading some of the um, the uh, Japanese reviewers and something. What do you do when you have a student and you can't pronounce his name? Do you just try to say their first name, or what do you do? I I, I check with the student. I make sure I if I'm not sure, I'll say it with kind of and kind of like make a face like, "Is this right?" Um, and then the student usually you know corrects me. Uh, it can be really hard. Yeah, I can imagine because I like uh, almost don't want to read some of these names because I don't want to get it wrong. There's because no uh, because even though you might pronounce it, well, there's pronunciation and there's the the whole uh, accent. Right. So like 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 we say Kurosawa, like Akira Kurosawa. Right. But they say Kurosawa, like it's just Kurosawa. flat, like it's Ku and then Rosawa, like, and that's really hard. You know? I like Hayao, it, Hayao Miyazaki. We say Zaki, but it's Miyazaki. Miyazaki. I watched that documentary on Miyazaki a while back. It's very interesting. The way they work at Studio Ghibli? Ghibli? Ghibli, yeah. Ghibli, okay. I just... he, he's got a new one coming out. A short 3D CGI film about a caterpillar. Oh, wow. I haven't seen near enough of his films. Just the ones I've seen I've loved. So I need to watch all of them. I need to have like a film fest. 
But it would be oh, rude God, for yeah. you to you're teaching class and you just go, um, uh, you come here or something. That would just be rude. <laughs> like, no, no, the ones that I know, um, I can talk, I can talk to them, but it, it usually takes, it just takes one try. Cause it's, it's, I mean, it's actually fairly easy once you hear it to just repeat it. But, but like a, a name like Shinichi, that last I you don't pronounce. And then there's a pause between Shin and Ichi. So it's Shin Ich. Shinichi. So it looks on the page like you say it this way, but then you say it, and it's like, oh no 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 no. <laughs> or K K I N A I. What had you before your kinai, first day on the job? Kin, but it's actually Kin I. You know. Kin I. I wonder accent. if like your first day on the job, had you even thought of that, and you were like, oh crap, how do I do this? <laughs> yeah. Call roll, Ken. Um, okay. But, but, um, it's unfortunate because I don't teach language classes because then in, in like an English, I don't teach English language classes. I just teach like media stuff. So in in the English language classes, the teachers can talk to them with their, they can say their first name, which is, which is much easier, but I have to use the last names, which are a little harder. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, Ken, I'm out of material, and this is our show, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. I really liked having you on and talking to you about stuff. Oh, uh, I was going to share my favorite all-time Rotten Tomatoes pull quote. Oh, okay. Which was just thinking about, um, like, my favorite type of quote is a quote that uses the title of the movie to put down the movie. (laughs) Yeah. And So the movie was How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. And the quote was, how to lose an audience in 10 minutes. Oh, nice. <laughs> Artfully done. Yeah, there's times where they do that. I forget the, there was a recent movie. Oh, man, I can't remember what it was, but they use the title perfectly. Sometimes if you read it the right way, you're like, you know, the person's like, oh, I'm patting myself on the back here. <laughs> I'm so clever. <laughs> and it's. There's a critic, uh, the, the great critic James Adji, who uh, he wrote in the 40s, and he uh, he had this one article, which was just a bunch of movies he saw that like that month that he had no time to review in detail, so he just did these like one-liners. And um, the last movie on the list was a movie called the movie was called You Were Meant for Me, and his his review was four words: "That's what you think." <laughs> <laughs> Like the movie The Purge, you know, that's like, that's exactly what I did when I got home (laughs) or something like that. Yeah. Or thanks for the advice or something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like advice taken or something. (laughs) And that's my review. And believe me, I got paid for this review and I'm out of here. It's like, he wrote two words. This isn't fair. He gets paid for that. That's right. I get paid to watch movies. No, but thank you so much, Ken. For yeah, this is a this is a lot of fun, guys, and thanks for um, thanks for getting in touch with me. No, it was a blast, and uh, I wanted to say uh, another thing. Uh, I have finally bought the domain of etlandfill.com. It is uh, now. If you go to etlandfill.com, you'll see our site. I've been trying to dress it up, putting buttons and stuff there. You know, there's a button you can click to listen live and join us in the chat. Uh, there's also a button where you can become a patron, like Ken. Ken is a patron of the show. That's awesome. Gets That's access. right. Proud, a proud patron. 
thank you so much for that, Ken. And if anybody becomes a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to Dead Ahead, my audio novel. I'm doing one chapter at a time. Painstakingly editing my own voice, driving me slowly insane. <laughs> no, but that's... Oh, by the way, do you, when you listen to your own voice, do you pick up on these little... These little idiosyncrasies, and do you let them go, or do you think, oh, you know, you wish you you wouldn't you didn't have that affectation or something like that? There, I whistle when I say certain words. It's so weird. I do like a sound like that. And I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, what did I what did I do there? Why didn't I notice it while I was saying it? And that'll drive me nuts. When, when I get tired, I notice I get I start having the southern drawl comes out of me. Yeah, I'll notice. I think I'm stronger in the beginning of the chapter, and as I'm getting tired and fatigue is setting in, like, uh, there's less, like, it's more me just reading like this, <laughs> you know. Um, but I'll try to I'll try to do better. I'll take a break if I sense I'm getting tired, and then I'll come back and continue. But another mm. thing I was excited to announce, if everyone goes to etlandfill.com right now and you scroll down, you'll see a t-shirt. It says merchandise on the right side. You click on that. We have a t-shirt shop where you can buy different kinds of Entertainment Landfill t-shirts. And uh, I picked the company that I did because they have good quality shirts and they have bunches of sizes. So you don't have to worry about not having the right size or whatever. You should be cool, but we've got the old school Nowhere and Mulberry shirt. We've got Entertainment Landfill. We've got the widescreen Entertainment Landfill with the joystick. And there's drops on the back. Yeah, uh, certain ones have things written on the back. Like one may say film, television, pop culture. Mm -hmm. Another one says uh, something else. I can't remember. Oh, uh, and now this is podcasting. And now this is podcasting. Yeah. And then there's the ETL, just the initials. Uh, my friend Lynn, who I went to high school with, designed the logos to all of this stuff. So I, I think it turned out pretty cool. And I'm going to order some myself and uh, wear it all the time. People go, what's Entertainment Landfill? It's like, that's my podcast. <laughs> it's like, I notice you wear this shirt every day. It's multiple shirts, okay? It's not the same one every day. Look at the saying on the back. This <laughs> one is podcasting where it's at. That was a black one. Today it's a navy one. I always, you know, wouldn't, if you could be like Gilligan and wear the same clothes every day, but it's a different outfit, but they're all the same, would you? I pretty much do for work. So. <laughs> I pretty much do. My wife notices, like, you have too many black shirts. Let's get you a gray shirt or a, you know, blue. I'm like, okay, so you got to work a blue in, something like that. Yeah, we have a work shirt with our logo on it, you know. So, Ken, are you excited about those Entertainment Landfill shirts? Uh, do you ship worldwide? I sure hope so. I have no idea. <laughs> but faint excitement, Ken. But now, if you if you can get <laughs> random people to wear these things um, in public, eventually someone will spot them, and 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 that's how and that's how uh, fashions like that's how fashion happens. That's right. Conversations are struck. <laughs> Friendships are made. Lives are changed. You mean I gotta talk to strangers now? What I right. <laughs> You can meet the love of your life. Just... Asked you what entertainment landfill is. You start talking. Next thing you know, cut to a month later, you're married. That's just how it works. But I was saying, you know, some I've heard some people uh, say like, I want to become a patron, but I can't donate that much. It's like as little as a dollar. 
Here's what you do, Stephen. Go to the store. Not you particularly, but I'm saying get a $25 gift card, Visa gift card. Become a patron for a dollar a month. That's two years right there using that gift card. You don't even have to worry about it after that. You see what I'm saying there? Yeah, you know, I had this, I had this like idea that 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 seemed kind of dickish to me, so I didn't do it. Which was to like to get a, an upper tier thing, get all the gifts, and then just pull out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or reduce, you know, from like 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 reduce to a dollar after getting all the goods. But I thought, no, that's such a dick move. I'm not going to do that. But I'm sure people do that, right? Oh yeah, uh, probably probably on the bigger kind of uh, Patreons. Like there's some like um, these guys I follow, Easy Allies. You'll notice they'll be over forty thousand a month. They're making right, like wow, their Patreon is forty thousand dollars. But then you see when the end of the month comes, it drops down significantly. So people become patrons and they get the stuff. And then when it comes to like, whoop, yank my credit card off of there so they can't charge. And then you become a patron again the next day, a patron. And it's kind of dickish, isn't it? But people, they game the system. But it's like you're not really supporting the creator. That's what the whole point is. And they even say you don't have to donate $100 a month, just a dollar. You know well, what's the big deal? Would you not wait until the end of the month if you if you if they pulled their at the time, then you don't give them their rewards. They they pay, Patreon has actually started a new thing where you can charge the big uh, patrons. Like when you become a patron, you can charge instantly. And I haven't had to worry about that. Like I said, you know, I have we have twenty five patrons right now. Loyal patrons. Loyal patrons. Which is cool. Uh, actually, you know, it's really sad, Ken. One of our my our patrons died. Uh, Jennifer Morris. I dedicated an episode of the show to her. It was very sad. Uh, she was a loyal listener, and she passed away. And uh, uh-huh. currently, she's still a patron. And I wanted to write Patreon and say, how do I keep her a patron forever? Even though, you know, basically an honorary patron. And I'm trying to, otherwise you just say she's a patron. It's like, no, I mean, on the site, just keep her as a patron forever. I don't know. But I wanted to kind of give a shout out to all of our patrons because I haven't in a while. There's uh, Xavier, Ken Proventure, the guy I'm talking to right now. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Ross Pawnee. What did you think of the Battle of the Drops, Ken? Oh, I loved it. (laughs) <laughs> that was fun wasn't it uh, and and i would have been toast <laughs> those guys were yeah, i was i was actually kind of amazed my god they remembered that stuff you know? <laughs> i know i uh ross and adam they listen to all those old school episodes a lot and it's amazing you know when you've listened to them a lot that you know those drops that's why i thought it would be so fun to do it but i was still like going whoa I you was, know? yeah i was shocked and amazed let's give a shout out to jason swinchock adam sexton swiley steve steinbach Rick Lidster, John Waltz, Jenny. I'm about to burp again. I'm so sorry. It's so unprofessional. Carl, Slade Bailey, Brandon, who I feel bad because Brandon was, uh, when I was doing the show Wednesdays at like uh, one o'clock, Brandon would be there in the chat like every day, but now I've switched back to Friday and he can't listen live. But Brandon, I'm thinking about you. Kelly, B. Sly, Mark Anderson, 
Darren Finlan, Bill Lochner, that name sounds familiar, Mike Metcalf, Brian, Sean Uyoka, Nathena Lewis, Adam Howard, the the Drop King, by drop the way, king right now. Hodor, and Tom Aresto. Thank you guys for being patrons. Let's try to get more. And uh, I'm not trying to be greedy or anything, you know, like, hey, everybody donate lots of money. All I'm saying is I would love to see the patron number go up. It'd be so cool if we could get up like 50 patrons or something. Just the number of patrons that looks more impressive, you know. Uh, we're going places. We're doing things. I'm trying to, you know, make a legit side here. Steven, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. Get some reviews of, uh, review copies of movies and, uh, video games. <laughs> we got to make our own well, fake. Is there a, is there a deal with iTunes that you're interested in? Like, I don't know how this works, but it, would oh. iTunes be something you'd be interested in uh, connecting with? Well, um, all I know about iTunes, you know, like getting on the front page, uh, it happened long, long ago. It ha- it's easier to do it when you're a brand new kind of podcast. And I used to think it had to do with reviews. You know, we had something like 57 and I don't know how you get on that front page. I think you have to. Just we are know on somebody. iTunes though. You know, you know, of course the podcast is available on iTunes, but if you mean like the front page, like if you click on film TV, like, no, you can't find us like on that front page displayed, it's mostly corporate podcasts or something like that. It's really hard to get recognized like that. Uh, when I first, when I started the Chuck podcast, I was in the, you know, new and fresh section for like a week or something. And that was exciting. But then that, you know, you get taken off, you know, you're and not, then not fresh after that. <laughs> yeah, you're, not fre- you're not fresh anymore, buddy. But, uh, Things are exciting, but I want to thank all of the patrons, including you, Ken. And thank you, Ken, for joining us. And that's our show. That's ETL News this week. Stephen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And we should wrap this up. Ken. All right. Stephen. All right. Take care, guys. Ken, make sure you get out there, watch some movies, play some video games. Ken. Oh, yeah. Have you ever played Pachinko, by the way? I tried it once. I still don't understand. Yeah, what's the strategy to that? Do you just keep dropping things in and then hope the, something's The strategy good? is to tune out a life. <laughs> yeah, just keep going. You, you medit- you're, you're basically meditating, you know, and smoking and, you know, just forgetting uh, reality. I yeah, that's, that's what the- I've seen. The there will be a guy sitting there just dropping, is he dropping coins in? And yeah, the, coin, the coins go in and then the balls go down and then you can kind of direct them with a knob. Uh, and then they kind of cascade down into different holes. And then if you if you get a certain number of holes, then you get a ticket. And then you can take that ticket and um, turn it in for more balls. Or <laughs> you can take it to a nearby store that will exchange it for, you know, cigarettes or like whatever. And he's uh, always got, by the way, always has a cigarette dangling out of his mouth as he's playing it, right? The cigarette and the tub of coins. It's like Vegas. Yeah. Except... Except smaller and louder. Yeah, and in Vegas, they got rid of smoking in the casinos, so you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sensual assault. <laughs> yeah, it's like being in a pinball I, machine. I did do. I went to a casino in New Mexico, and they had one room that was smoking, and it was just disgusting. It's just like, it's like whoa! It's like I walk through it, just walk through and come out, and it's just like you smell like smoke for hours. <laughs> 
Well, guys, get out there, watch a movie, go watch The Accountant, that Lyle's Movie Files guys loved it. And it was great. Go addictive. Go watch some TV. Go watch some, <laughs> listen to some Corey Feldman. Netflix and buy that album from home. <laughs> Play some video games and buy we'll... that album for you. So you can listen to it. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Later, everybody. Later. And Bye. Schrodinger's cat cat imagined as being enclosed in a box with a radioactive source and a poison that will be released when the source unpredictably emits radiation. The cat being considered, according to quantum mechanics, to be simultaneously both dead and alive until the box is opened and the cat observed. The talk promises to demystify all the secrets of quantum physics, including Schrodinger's cat, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, and parallel universes, sheesh. It's all over my head and I'm a supercomputer. Now this is podcasting. Casting.